is the podcast to the show. You can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're thrilled to have you here. We're going to do Ted Lasso, Season 3, Episode 5, Signs, today. Uh, this is Part 3. Uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome. We are thrilled to have you here. It's it's always uh, There's always room for more people uh, in this particular wagon. Um, we did Part 1 and Part 2 for, uh, for Signs so far, so if you want to go back and listen to those, we invite you to. If not, we're just, we're just glad you're here to join us. My name is Coach Castleton. That's not a real name, but it's a it's a name it's it's a it's a name I use to hide behind because I I have all sorts of need, needs for therapy. Um, uh, with me as always is is Coach Bishop. I am so excited about our numbers and the audience. It's called growth. <laughs> and uh with with uh with the coaches here is our boss emily chambers i don't think that hyenas actually eat monkeys that often i've done a little bit of research and it turns <laughs> out that hyenas will eat monkeys but it's not a usual thing because of the way that hyenas hunt in packs they're actually much more social animals than we give them credit for being just because they look a little bit weird so i feel like even ted's analogy maybe was inappropriate a little weird, just a little, little weird. If they had powerful back legs, they would be land's most ferocious predator, unquestionably. Yes. It, yeah. They don't, so that sucks. I don't understand yeah. the hyena hate. I'm fine with them. So they can get, they can get a monkey. If they'll, they'll, they'll love a monkey if they can get. So they're the the monkeys are the creme brulee of. of the, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. It it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, number one, they're going to go after whatever the lions leave is going to be their main food source. But outside of right. that, they will try to hunt in a pack in order to take down a larger animal so that they don't have to hunt as much later because they're also efficient. This is now a hyena fan podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. This is uh, for those of you joining us for the first time. Um, this has been your hyena moment, and uh, we are we're going to pick it up uh, on the show, uh, the Apple TV Plus show, Ted Lasso. Um, where we left off was uh, the scene where Ted and and Boss sort of Ted and Rebecca passed each other in the hallway, and depending on what lens you view this from you have your diehard uh ted becca truthers right of which i don't i don't think we have any on this podcast weirdly that's bad representation boss i mean i'm doing my part i'm here with the beard jamie love the <laughs> right be, be, yeah. Bammy no, love, wait. the yeah mm. jeered Jeered the the jeered the jeered love. You I'm know, gonna, you know, if it doesn't come together, that may that may tell you something, boss. Okay, there's nothing natural about beard putting beard and Jamie together. Baby, I don't think so. Jeered, no. Okay, but what about Bart or B Bart? Last name Beard and Jamie Tart. We don't know if Beard. Well, Beard has to be his last name. So if it's Beard and Tart. Beard tart doesn't sound bad. I'm just going to throw that out there. Beard tart. You know, sounds that? terrible. 
I, oh god, that sounds like a that sounds like a, a like cuisine that you always you know dismiss yourself right before the beard tarts come out. Um, like oh yeah, the next part of the order will be beard tarts, and you're like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna hit mm, the head. Mm, no, I was, Anastasia. I was I was uh, thinking a candy of some sort actually, like in the sweet tarts Smarties family. Not something I would enjoy, but something that people give out on Halloween. Sounds absolutely delightful. A a hair based uh, candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> this has gone so far off the rails. I I almost, almost want to we... shut the whole podcast. You know what? You know what, folks? We're 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 too fried. <laughs> We've talked for too long. Uh, no, listen, uh, Ted. Listen, it depends where you come from. Some people want Ted and Rick and end up. Some people. Uh, it's not even that. I don't know if any of us are just anti Ted and Rebecca as much as we are just sort of placing our trust in the writing staff and the producerial team and the showrunners. And we say, okay, well, we're here for the ride and um, we will uh, we'll throw tomatoes or cheer depending on how, how it's all done. Uh, if anything's true about this show, they seem to be able to, to make anything work. Um, so, right. I mean, like boss always points out, Season one, episode 10, they get regulated and we all think it's the best episode ever. So you mm-hmm. never know where it's going to go. And uh, and we're happy to be here. Before we get started, or we are sort of getting started, but I want to point out that in each home, there is a dog, except yeah, for yes. my home. So yes. why don't you introduce your significant other and <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about uh, who you've brought to the podcast today. Coach, you can begin. Uh, I've got uh, Biggie Smalls, Biggie Smalls Bishop. Uh, he's a rookie at the team, but, uh, doing, doing great so far. Great, great locker room, uh, great locker room addition. And, uh, we're looking forward to seasons and season after season of, uh, Biggie Smalls contributing to our squad. Nice. And, and boss, uh, who's, who's, uh, representing, um, team boss today in the canine variety. Oh, I'm, uh, watching my sister's dog. So it's old man Quincy. And he has fallen asleep already. He's out. Bedtime earlier than mine. So hopefully there oh. won't be a lot of noise. But if you hear anything, if you hear any dog kind of like shaking noises or chewing on bones, that's me. But if you hear any barking, that's going to be him. <laughs> that's good. It's good to know. And of course, I have no dog uh, because my significant other is uh, allergic to dogs, even though I'm, I would venture that. Uh, one of the biggest dog people anyone would ever meet. Is that fair to say, Coach? Ah, uh, yeah. No, that that is without question. I don't know that I've ever seen you see a dog and not react under yeah, any circumstances. Yeah, yeah. No, it's they're pretty great. Um, okay, so we are uh, we open with Shandy in her office, and we get an establishing shot at her desk, and we get this. Uh, insert it's not quite her pov but we're sort of looking down over over her like left shoulder ish and we get this sort of spread of what boss what is she working on like uh, what is that we see on her desk that she's sort of working on with a pen and maybe markers so it's a lot like when you doodle your name and the name of your crush and like hearts and bubble letters and stuff only hers says star fucker just over no possible logos for her app. I really love the description you just gave. And it was better than anything. I, Cause I was trying to capture 
why I found that so funny because I did laugh in real time. And it was because it wasn't like working on a professional logo. It was much more like what you described, which was like some high school sophomore writing the crush's name over and over. And that that was the feel. So great, great call there. But yeah, Shandy is a, she's a piece of work, that one. Listen, Shandy, I'll say that part of the uh, ADHD dynamic is hyper-focus. So sometimes you can't focus, and other times you have hyper-focus. And I, the the flightiness of, of you're not supposed to diagnose other people, but I always look at Shandy and go, I think, I think, she, <laughs> I think she might be one of us. Um, and by us, I mean me and Coach. Obviously, we are representing the ADHD members of society, whereas uh, Boss is sort of a JV sociopath. JV? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Just, just sort of learning just sort of learning the ropes like you know trying to trying to figure that whole dynamic out hmm. yeah well hey maybe by the end of this podcast you might be up to varsity girl i mean last episode there was discussion of the acquisition of blood for reasons i'm still not entirely clear <laughs> yeah so i mean i got a blood guy yeah so i got a blood guy putting that on the so. table if we're looking to promote anybody in the varsity <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. And, and also, I'm pretty sure it, uh, it, one of us called ourselves a sociopath. He said, this is uh, how you know I'm, I'm the sociopath in the podcast because you don't show that video to the team. You give that video to the press and humiliate Nate and West Ham that way. Remember? Oh, I do of course remember I remember. That. that was spectacular. Yeah, that was that was boss, right, Coach? That wasn't was that you, no, Coach? Or was that no, sir. trying to remember who that was who had that diabolical idea? A- absolutely. Also hundred percent right, right? Spot 100%. on. I love it. And, and listen, everybody knows you, you there are people in the locker room. There every sport has a version of this as a team sport. Where as long as the person's on your team, you love it. If they are on another team <laughs> You you fear them. You hate. Them. You go. Oh my god! Did they really leak that to the press? But as long as they're on yeah. your, as who long, would do that? I mean, boss is on my side, so right. screw you, buddy. Yeah, we love her. We love her, and always please stay on our side, boss. Um, so I was looking at the speaking of people who are disturbingly good at at weird parts of 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 their job uh, or their. <laughs> Some some weird part part of the media uh, blacklisting. Um, I was looking at uh, what uh, Shandy was writing these all these different versions of Starfuck, and I looked at I looked at them first of all to see whether Starfucker was spelled the way I thought it would be, which is like banter with no you know B A N T R. I was like I'm positive without having seen it that Starfucker is going to be S T A R F U C K. Are and I was right about that. I, I don't wonder how many people did you guys anticipate that as, as well? I didn't think about it, but that is hilarious. That given the fact that you have the word fuck in there, that the the, the, the vowel you would eliminate is the e before yes. the r. Like, right? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I'm I thought need... she was riffing off a of banter. Yeah. Now I'm going to need to go back and check. Did she make the a in star fucker an actual star? Because at, at, least cases, at least one of them. At least one of them. Yes. 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 And so so that's the thing, right? So when I was looking at it, I was like, 
I went in to make fun of Shandy. Now, if you remember, my perspective on Shandy has been that she drives me crazy and she she she's not a grenadier. You can't give her the tools to destroy anything. But I find her weirdly effective. And like, so I went in to look at her various designs, which are just sketched out because I'm like, look at this hack. She's like coloring in with a highlighter. And I paused the show and looked and I was like, I don't, I don't hate it. Like I looked at, I was like, some of these aren't bad. Like <laughs> I, I'm just like, okay. Like I, I went in with the intention of poking fun. Like, Oh, come on. You're a rookie. You don't know what you're doing. And I, and I thought, Oh, I can see where she's going with this. Mm-hmm. Not, not the worst thing I've ever seen. So, um, Keely comes in, enters the office, says afternoon, um, and she goes to her office. And that view, uh, sometimes when you shoot in a studio, they'll give you the background of like the White House behind you. You know what I mean? There's like these, you pay for these, I don't know, they're really expensive. Those the new- Translite one? The, is that what? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, Translite, is that the one? There's, there, it's not a, um, it's not the mobile one. It's that, that fixed image that's backlit. Meant to be a scene. I, I don't thought, know if it's called translate. I might be wrong, man. I might be thinking the wrong thing. But anyhow, but you got it. Go ahead. Sorry, coach. No, no, I, I would love it if that's it. I, I just want to make sure it's not the one where that new uh, camera technology where it moves with you and simulate which camera simulation like they use on the Mandalorian. I forget the name of it right now. Um, yeah, no, you're you're. It's definitely translate is definitely older than that because I'm remembering that from another project. Okay. It's, yeah. That's probably what it yeah. is from film school era. Yeah, Cause yeah. that's what, I mean, and, and I'm looking at this view and I'm like, that has to be, you know, that's like, it was almost like took me out of the moment. Cause I'm like, that's the best view I've ever seen. Are you kidding me? Like you're just looking over like six London bridges or whatever. You know, I have, I clipped a, a picture of it for the show doc. And I'm like, that's spectacular. Um, anyway, uh, before she can even sit down, Babs knocks on her door and um, boss, can you walk us through what happens here with uh, good old Barbara? Oh, I definitely can. Keely says hi. Bab says Ms. Jones. Hope you enjoyed your lunch with Jack. And Keely, of course, did because Jack is great. Bab says, yeah. Did you, no, 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 uh, no friction there at all. Like mm-hmm. Barbara was really, really wishing her well on that. Oh, right? definitely. Didn't, didn't want to be invited or join them or anything, right? No, 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 no. That was very sincere. It. it uh, listen. All the, I hope you cool. I hope all the cool girls had fun. Oh yeah, there was some of that energy, wasn't there? Yeah. All right, keep going. Well, I, I actually do want to talk about that a little bit in a second. So, uh, Barbara says, uh, "Just a quick question: Did you tell Shandy to call Emma J at four in the morning, whilst drunk on espresso martinis, to pitch an idea for condoms for balls?" To which Keely replies. What? And Barbara says, Emma J designed sunglasses. And Keely says, uh, yeah, no, of course, I didn't do that. Why? And Barbara said, oh, because she just fired us. Because of Shandy. Because of your friend. Can I? Okay. So I loved this moment. Barbara, the the, the level to which Barbara relished delivering this news (laughs) i mean she just like she she just mm, she inhaled it she rolled it around her tongue i mean she is really just oh this she just savored this and i i love keely i want keely to win but in this moment i i enjoyed i had to enjoy that with babs that was hilarious um but for me the best part was emma j designed sunglasses 
a, a point of clarification that's so yeah, bit, just so like know. here's here's what she doesn't design typically is condoms for both. <laughs> like, right. um, it's mostly eyewear. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I love like, that she clarified that. Oh my god, so good! I don't, yeah, I don't know if you confused her with the Emma J of the famous condom J's, but that's not hers. She's a different one. She does sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea that uh, Shandy is si- sipping martinis at four a.m. and goes, "You know what? Fuck, Fuck it. it. I know who's going to back this." Yeah, we are looking for investors for condoms for balls. I know the perfect person. Oh, condoms. I love the. Um, She's so not shy, right? That she mm-hmm. did this, thinking this might work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's a there's a perfection to it, like because the whole time we've been hitting this note, right? That like boundaries, but even someone who doesn't have boundaries. I'm trying to think of the most audacious people I've ever known, and if I could imagine them calling. A, their company's client like it's still like even for the most outrageous people i know that is nuts and the fact that you can just see her doing it you can see her almost doing it with a little like swagger to her like it's your lucky day at 4 a.m it's just uh you know, yeah. You know what the weirdest thing is? I still will never get used to this. But, uh, in the film industry, you have an agent. If you're lucky enough, if you're lucky enough to, if you beg and, and uh, kiss enough ass, uh, sometimes and you have a, a modicum of talent, um, you can sometimes get an agent. And when you call your agent, you tend to build a relationship with that agent. You, you know, you build like there's they're really rooting for you. They're, they they make their money when you make your money. Um, they take ten percent. And so uh, I, I mentioned that intentionally. Um, and um, so so you get like a familiarity with them and you forget that the whole time you're on the phone with just them. Who else is on the phone, coach? Their assistant is on the phone always. And yes, it's easy to forget. Yeah, their assistant. Always. Taking notes, listening, like learning about your personal stuff. Because the agent will, you know, typically they're not going to go right to, boss, are you aware of this? Because you're looking at this like, oh, this is horrifying. i sort of aware of it. It also happens a lot in, you know, corporate culture where your assistant will listen in to take notes so that you don't have to, so that later you could be reminded about the thing that whoever it was said. I mean, not but, a, but in you'll find that like on an audio call in business, yes. I just feel like they call out the assistant more often. It's not like the shadow lurker the way it is. And no, is it is it is it like that? So this is also something that I've heard from other people. I've never worked in a position where I've had an assistant or been on the call with somebody with an assistant on the call because nonprofit doesn't roll like that. Um, but I am sort of aware of it happening. Sometimes they might be called out, but I'm sure a lot of the time it's just completely forgotten yeah well anyway the reason i bring that up is because shandy has that so sometimes you will uh the, the the whole purpose of being an assistant is to become a junior agent and then move up and sometimes years later you will go in that and you'll bump into that assistant and they they know you really well they'll be like hey how's your and you're like i have never told you <laughs> like the name of my significant other i did how did you know i used to live you know but they sent you scripts there or they say whatever that was once upon a time when they used to mail scripts but still uh whatever they know your your things and it's just a weird thing and shandy had that kind of energy to me 
or it was like she just like decided yeah i'm familiar with emma jane maybe they were in a meeting one time and she's like oh yeah she's my girl like we hit it off and i'll just give her a ring um so yeah she's brash so uh one of the things that i'm wondering is how did shandy get emma j's phone number like what is going on there that she would have access to a personal phone number to oh, call it I just assumed there was like a you know like a company, um, yeah, like I would, you just yeah, look it up, like, yeah, list. like whatever, yeah. Like, yeah, like they would just be not a. It's not a Rolodex because it's not 1987, but the equivalent of that that mm-hmm. there'd be one that everyone could access. That that's what I that I just assumed that, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it seems like a small enough boutique little place that they don't have people really like who's the HR person. And who's the, you know, web security? I don't really know. I don't know. You just thought that was fishy, huh? No, not fishy. Just that. I mean, this is also the accounting background, but you don't give anybody any information that they don't need for their job. Like, I don't get access to payroll, even though I am responsible for my organization's finances in a lot of ways. So this is more like you do this to get your job done. And this is all you need access to. So you're saying you uh, all of your work uh, operates on a need-to-know basis, boss? Yeah. And uh, that's also – that works well for me because then somebody's like, hey, how do I submit this reimbursement claim? And I'm like, I got no fucking idea. You're going to have to talk to somebody else about that. Right. That's right. Because you didn't want to be in the middle of your uh, the people you were being nice and walking through somebody else through a procedure that had nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, this is really good. Well, so (laughs) either way – Either way, she finds it. She manages to get a hold of this. She calls Emma J. I really like the cadence of Katie Nix's uh, uh, Barbara speech. It's different. Like, remember when I raved about, like, uh, Trent, welcome. Like, the way that they write Rebecca, there's, like, these little stop-plosive, really short parts of speech and things. And she's just – it's really great. And and the the Babs line that jumped out to me was, because of Shandy, because of your friend. Like, like the way she said it, I'm like, oh, God. Like, so that's her – that's where you know she's getting ready to sort of, you know, drop the hammer. Um, Keely's totally backed into a corner. Again, I will point out that uh, like all human beings, or not all, but so many human beings, inaction is the move of the day until action is forced, until an outside source forces action, right? And the only way you can move doubt is what, Coach? Oh, Coach is eating sushi. I just saw. I just asked him a question as he's wolfing. He's got he's got chopsticks. Who the what is happening, Coach? What is happening? Where I'm throwing shit to you, and you are chopsticking a sushi. What is it, a little sushimi in your mouth, there, Coach? I'm I'm gonna apologize now to everyone since Coach called me out. I love this out. man. Yeah, I um, I did a run earlier, a long run, and so. <laughs> I was particularly hungry, and uh, my wife was kind enough to bring back a spicy tuna roll. So I was oh, trying to, that's uh, nice. I was trying to sneak that in there. But you did, you caught me. You, you caught me. I'm so. I would not have done that. It's like when the, uh, the waiter walks up to you in the restaurant just right. as you scoop the biggest piece of lasagna right, in your like, mouth, and they say like, but, "How's everything going, folks?" <laughs> um, all right. So okay. So I apologize. Sushi done with. Um, moved out. With action, that is uh, yeah, straight right. from Doctor uh, Sharon. That's right, Doctor Fieldstone. Um, Keely knows she has to do something, so we get a really 
Uh, it's not fun. Fun's not the right word. We get a really interesting version of Keeley that we haven't had to see. And I love how, um, again, I poke fun at characters for, for inaction because I think like, you know, I would like them to take action a little earlier, but when this moment happens, there is no doubt from Keely that she knows she has to act. And I really, I kind of like was into this Keely, especially she goes, Shandy. And Shandy, of course, has her feet up on her desk. She's on her phone. Yeah. Can I speak with you, please? And she's like, can you give me five minutes or whatever? What did she, what did she say? 30 minutes? 30, uh, whatever. It, I forget, 50. It was 30, I believe. I believe 30 she minutes, asked yeah. 30, <laughs> which the odd, I'm sorry. What did you just say to your boss? Um, yeah, pretty amazing. But yes. So Kaylee stays with it. No, now. Uh, Barbara says, what, boss? Can I watch, please? Yeah, please, can I watch? Fantastic. And 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 Keely has this great, right here, this is the line I like. She goes, Barbara. Like, like, this, this. I'm <laughs> she, like, oh, shit. Keely has that gear? I'm like, where has this? Because that is, I, I like dig that gear. I'm like, I just like, like, no, no, no. Oh. Like, you, you have mistaken me for someone who is not about to fuck some shit up. Mm. Like, I'm like, dang, like we're, this playtime is over. I know I bubble in here, and I know I'm, you know, happy, you know, Glinda the Good Witch, but, like, now it is time for business. <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> things are going to happen. I was like, holy shit, I love this, Keely. This is great. I got, and I, because she has spoken about her mom, and I wondered how much just in my imaginings of all this right i wondered how much keely sounded like her mom here because it, it was very like it was like she got it that barbara was really enjoying this moment and was gonna just love watching the hammer come down she knew no you may not stay right like it, it felt like Somehow it felt to me like suddenly Keely was mommy of the office, like in the way, in the way she did it. Like even, can you know, may I speak with you? Like it wasn't, I don't know. There was something about it that was very, okay, this is out of control. So since I need to take control, I will now. Yeah. Yeah. I read that too. And boss, go ahead. It looks like you have something to say. No, I was only going to say that, um, it, I like that you pointed out the mom thing because it did feel a little bit like she has so far only been separating her two fighting children that Shandy has been acting up and Barbara has been tattling and she is now pushing them apart yes. and dealing with Shandy. And then she will come back and ho- actually dealing with Barbara first by saying, Barbara, like, get out. And then she's going to deal with Shandy. Listen. Here's the thing. So much of Ted Lasso is what isn't said or what isn't done. And you just have to remember it. So let me just take a a minute here to point out that we as a society, we as a species will often devalue the, the more petite members of society, especially if they're women. We will devalue uh, pr- pretty women because they can't possibly be uh, intelligent. We'll, there's all kinds of things. And with Keely, she, um, I love this. And it reminds me of, um, uh, in Bull Durham, I always say there's a lot of Bull Durham in this in this show. Um, but there's this moment where uh, Nuke Lelouch, played by Tim Robbins, says to Susan Sarandon, uh, uh, plays Annie, Annie Savoy, uh, played by Susan Sarandon. He says, no, I think you're real cute. And she goes, cute? 
baby ducks are cute. Like I want to be exotic and mysterious and whatever, right? And they they talk about like the the adjectives that you know little girls are powerful and you know mysterious and interesting. And what we don't get from Keely, this is the moment where I was like, okay, the history of her and Shandy is they had a breakup at some point, and we don't know what the reason of before the breakup is, but. Keely went one direction and all the girls she came up with went another direction. So you have to assume that this was, I always, I mean, we don't have to assume, but I always think, okay, what's the reason for that? How come she didn't know that X, I forget, Emma married a footballer Emma. and Rachel. How did she, right. There's all these people that married footballers. She didn't even know because she was on the outs. Now, whether it was something Keely did or it was something that the, that the girls did, she's like, Oh, how are the girls? Like it was girls, plural, whatever happened there was some rift or they grew apart or whatever and people didn't try to patch it but in this moment keely doesn't isn't hit by that trauma one of the things that we see on this show is like you people live in this suspended animation of not dealing with whatever the past events are and you know we're we think oh keely's this you know sweet little bebop when we first meet her she's shaking her tail feather she's jamie you know she, she is introduced as Jamie's girlfriend. She's not like even necessarily her own thing. Right. Uh, she, she remember the, the, uh, when you go to the hotel and, and she was doing that advertisement on the hotel, like her career was oh, just yes. bizarre. Yes, yes, yes. She was famous for not almost quite being famous. Right. And now she has come so far and nothing stops her. She's not like, she doesn't take a moment to compose herself in front of, um, Barbara and say, oh, Barbara, I've actually done this. I'm getting crazy deja vu because I've been here with Shandy before and I should have seen, you know, none of that. She just goes, Shandy, can I, like, she is already into it. And I go, wow, like, Keely is so impressive. And she just doesn't care. I don't think she gets the credit because, uh, you know, whatever, because she's uh, sort of adorable and, and sort of uh, kind and sweet and everything she does tends to be um, based in in promoting others and coaching and helping everybody else that she may not get all the respect she deserves for like just how what how hard of a line she draws at this moment there's and i think i've mentioned it before work i do i talk about performance in terms of impact and influence and and keely maybe in this moment shows the best balancing of the two of anybody so far in the series. Like you only you you can you never allow influence to overtake impact. And she does. She's like this is where we're headed. And it'll all be fun and games and I'll ignore your, you know, text telling me to use a corporate card we both know I shouldn't as long as we stay on this path together. But if you start pulling us off this path no, 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 no. So you got to change the tagline back and now you got to go. And I do, I do really respect that. Like it's not, it's not a power trip. It's not, this is my company. How dare you? If she had done whatever she did in a way that was great and that Emma J enjoyed, she would have been great, but she did. She called at four o'clock in the morning pitching, you know, condoms for balls. So you're out of here. Yeah. I think a big part of this is the uh, banter tagline. Up until then, Shandy was unorthodox, 
but still seemed to be doing her job well and knew what she was doing and knew what she needed to be doing. And like the, should I uh, take my top off? Should we use the corporate card? Like if you could ignore those things and rein her in, she'll be fine. The banter tagline was an issue. Jack helped address it with Keely, coaching Keely through how you do this. So I feel like this is a perfect opportunity for Keely to do what she has been training to in a lot of ways. Like, uh, uh, up until the banter tagline chain change, I feel like Keely could have gotten through to Shandy. It was really that moment when she needed a minute to say, like, this isn't going to work. And then the few days after that, in order to figure out how to make it so that she's here. So for me, it mostly was that Keely is one of the best people at reacting to changes, even when she doesn't like the change that has happened. Like Ted can't react and he can't like, he hates it and he can't deal with it. And Keely's like, this sucks, but I'll figure it out and let's move on. That's a good, wow. Yeah. I really like that. Even Rebecca says, right. That's too dark. I can't, I can't even discuss the possibility that we might need to address this. Right. So yeah. Excellent. Great call. Also, this didn't happen in a vacuum. This happened. What, what, what percentage of faith does Barbara have to this point in Keely's ability to be the CEO of a firm? One percent, right? But like low, a low percentage, right? right? Like we don't even have to put a number on it to know Barbara. It's called growth. Like right. Barbara right. does not think very highly of Keely, and this happens right in front of Barbara with Barbara conveying the message. You know, she eat just shit eating grin. She's thrilled to say this, um, and. Keely doesn't shirk away from it. Keely's like, okay, that's it. Yes. Like have to do, right in front, right in the bright light of day. It wasn't like this happened offline and she got a call from Barbara and then she can go fire Shandy, you know, at, at her apartment. This is like, this is happening in front of everyone. So. Although I would um, like to say to Barbara's credit, she said, oh, you're hiring your friend Shandy who isn't equipped for the position. There was no position. You're bringing her on. Like, I get that Barbara can be sort of bitchy to Keely and that that is not a great working dynamic. But on this call, she was right from the very beginning and Keely didn't listen to her. Oh, yeah. No, I don't blame Babs for savoring this. I mean, right. I mean, it's, it, we get into it a little bit in a moment. But, yeah, no, I'm with her. I'm like, yeah, no, gee, gee, you know, that's what happens when you make the unorthodox call. If it works, you're a genius. So, sort of. But if, you, yeah, if yeah. it doesn't work, so, what'd you do that for? All right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I have a, I have a, a point to make. Yes, I know. I know. Yes. There's no a boss is like trying to bait me. I, I, I let's go a little further and then I'll okay. tell you why I say it, sort of. Um, so uh, in comes Shandy. She says, hi, I can give you five minutes and I have to go downstairs and meet with a potential assistant. She's scared of elevators. It's cute, right? Um, and uh, oh, I forgot. I forgot this one little beat. Uh, ba- Barbara is walking out of Keely's office. Uh, Shandy is walking into Keely's office, and Barbara defers to Shandy and does like a little after you thing, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like be my guest, like please, please. I no no, I insist you come in. Um, and I was like, oh god, lamb Barbara's to slaughter. Like, lamb yeah, 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 to slaughter. Uh, can you have a can you come have a seat, please? Shandy's like, oh, yeah. She goes and closes the door. Barbara's right there, slams it right in Barbara's face. Keely says, Shandy. And what does Shandy say, boss? Am I getting a raise? Yeah. Am I getting a raise? 
<laughs> Unbelievable. So yeah, sometimes so. the worst people think they're the best. Um, so you are so brilliant. But so we know now that she is commencing Operation Shit Sandwich. Um, it's so funny because this show uh, softens things, right? What did she call it? A compliment sandwich? Yes. And then with with Kay, you got you guys need to kiss. And we know it mm-hmm. as keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. And th- this show made it keep it simple, smarter pants. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, this stupid PG show. That's funny. <laughs> but I love. I also love though that they took us outside the room, which I feel like is a is yes. a is a dramatic way of underscoring Keeley's approach as a boss. No, you may not watch. And actually, I'm just going to go ahead and like white out my window because I know you're going to do that too. Like, yeah, this is not, we, this is nine, nine Schadenfreude. Yes, exactly. That like weird, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I, I don't want to say a terrible word, but it's like a gross, uh, you know, privacy shade thing for the, creep that had it before her right yeah, yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. come in handy a couple times yeah her. yeah and she's not even a creep how about that it's amazing way to yeah. repurpose that keely um so uh my bold determination what the fuck and then boom the door comes <laughs> comes flying open um my bold determination that was the second part of the shit sandwich apparently um and what does Shandy say, boss? Because, first of all, what is this? Explain what, what we are seeing live and in living color. Oh, well, she's doing the horribly embarrassing Jerry Maguire walkout speech. Uh, unfortunately, she's doing it poorly. So after Jerry Maguire got fired, he came out and said he's starting his own firm. Who's coming with him? Nobody was, except for Renee Zellweger, who was secretly in love with him. And, of course, you could see that. That's a different movie. On this one. Shandy says, all right, listen up, sheep. I was just let go because some people can't handle working with an innovator. So I'm starting my own PR firm to take this place down. Who's coming with me? I'll pay you double what you're making here. Who's coming with me? The best way, of course, to get people to gather around you and support you is by calling them sheep right off. Yes, I mean, amazing. And that she would actually, that would be what she leads with. I also think it's amazing that she starts, and it doesn't end here, she starts making promises. And and it was funny because watching it with Daphne and those who are are new to the podcast, that's my wife, we were both looking at each other because it was like, what do you mean you'll make, I'll pay you double with what? Like, what what are you talking about? But it and was also, just... you don't know what they're making. Like, it's not even that you don't have the money that to pay part. them double. You don't know how much double is. Yeah, it was true. I mean, it was gloriously unhinged. This speech oh, really, okay. wow. I mean, she, she had me at, at uh, double. But um, so uh, <laughs> she says three months of holiday. All right. She goes, all right. And then what does she offer them, boss? Three months holiday every year. Company? Three months. Three months. You're uh, going to take a, a quarter of the year off, just holiday. Let's bear in mind, this is Europe. So I do think that they oh, shut down the entire right. continent for August, from what I understand. <laughs> right. That's, that is true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> You're not far off. Oh, I mean, dumb I mean, Europeans I mean, resting. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, 
pain. They don't even know the beauty of the seven-day work week. I mean, (laughs) what, you're a mother with your newborn, you want to stay home? Come on, we gave you six days. That's funny. They were unpaid, but we gave you six days. It's just a child. In in fairness, God made the world in six days. I mean, just that's fair. As a just as a way to level set. I mean, like he did. She sure did, Coach. She She sure sure did. did. I love you so much. Three months holiday every year. Company car, massage table in the office with a licensed masseuse. That's important because sometimes you get to a place where they give you an unlicensed masseuse, and you know, just just it's all it's all ribs and 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 delts. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. (laughs) What I don't. I I only say that because I went to a massage therapist one time. It just like was rubbing on my rib. I'm like, I don't think that's a um, (laughs) thing. Not sure that's, that's not a, a thing. yeah. So forty two minutes on that uh that one rib, huh? Oh okay. Jesus! <laughs> it was really bad. It was like it was like okay, this is like it's you're on a bone. I I don't you know. It, it was like massage for dummies or something. You know, like the whatever. It was fine. A nice person, but it was like oh this that wasn't as effective uh, as I'd hoped. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, licensing is important because I'm me. I immediately thought that um, an unlicensed masseuse might be in the vein of a, a sex worker. Which I am not saying in judgment. I am saying because you need to make very sure that you know what kind of place you're going into before you go into it. Like there are actually, um, well, I don't, I don't want to comment if they're unlicensed masseuses, but there are these phenomenal places in Chicago. I don't know if they have them everywhere, hmm. but it's like a, a, a foot massage place. So you go in, it's a huge room with just tables one after the other, like 12 of them. You don't get undressed. You just wear very loose, comfortable clothing. They put your feet into a foot bath and they like wash them down and rub them. And then they give you a massage over your clothes. It's like $40. They are amazing. They are top notch. But you need to make sure that if you're going to an unlicensed masseuse, it is that place or it is what you're expecting. And then everybody knows what the rules are. You don't want to confuse them and be expecting something that's not going to be happening. All right, so she says, yeah, licensed masseuse, who's coming with me? Bam, right? And then that, you know, that's enough for good old, we, we find out that the meerkat gentleman, his name is, is is what, coach? What's his name? Dan. Dan. And Dan jumps up and says, I'll go with you. Or he doesn't jump up, he just says, I'll go with you. He doesn't jump up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that made me think of, yes, in in, in uh, Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. that's the moment where, t- where, where Tom Cruise says, what, boss? Dorothy Boyd, thank you. Yeah, Dorothy. I listen. There is something uh, compelling about someone who's got passion. I'll, I'll say that it's really easy to certain certain those of us who are susceptible to that kind of thing. I think Coach maybe just regularly wins me over with just amazing <laughs> speeches and things like that. So I'm like, yeah, it's just okay. That's that's my weak spot. If I was a video game. You just give me a good speech and you can win the boss fight. So um, Shandy says what to that? Not you, Dan. Yeah, not you, Dan. Amazing. Just amazing. Well, even better than that is that immediately Dan says, right. Like not even a beat. Yeah, right. That checks out. Similarly to the the hotel yes. gentleman that we love. Yes, yes, like, yes, yes, I don't suppose you'd want to. No, of course of not. Course. No, 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 would you? Yeah. Um, Barbara, I know you're with me. And what does Bab say? I couldn't be less with you. (laughs) 
That's because why? Why, boss? Because you're a coward, and I fucking hate you. I hate all of you. I hate all of you. She's she is oh raging, mm-hmm. and then she just completely changes her physicality and slump throws her body into Keeley and says, "says what, boss? Please let me stay. I just love it here so much. We're a family. I love you." And Keeley rubs her back, and she says, "You're going to be fine, Shandy. I pro no." And then Shandy punches no, her. No, I'm not. Right? Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> No, I'm not. It's I have to mention that um, my nieces who have an emotional intelligence so far past my own already, even mm-hmm. though they're not yet into their teen years, any of them. Um, one of my nieces one time was upset about something. I can't remember what even, but I was comforting her. And I said, are you, how are you now? Are you OK? Do you need anything? And she goes, I'm not OK, but I'm going to be. And I was like, oh, shit. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right? Wow. Yes. That is impressive. I know. Damn. I was so impressed with it. I'm not, but I'm going to be. And this is Shandy in the opposite. She's like, no, I'm never going to be okay again. This is it. Uh, so the next line I love, she goes, oh, you bunch of fascist fucks. And she points to Keely on fascist. And she points to Babs on fucks. You bunch of... <laughs> Fascist fucks, which I love. And even Ke- I love in yeah. the rant because what? Like they're like she just yes. like th- like in somewhere inside of her, she felt this was the speech, but like it's not tethered to anything. Like yeah. <laughs> fascist fucks, like who's what? Yeah, it felt again a little bit like uh, Jamie calling them Philistines. Like, yes. that's not what you think it means. That's, yeah, that's not it exactly. Uh, in general, this whole thing felt uh, similarly to. The blow up by uh, uh, the uh, Ghanan um, businessman, uh, billionaire uh, Edwin Akufo, the things that came out of him were not planned. It was just pure rage, nonsensical, and so I, that felt like a you know part of it for me. Um, even Keeley at this point, who knows Shandy, is surprised at the. The, the rapidity of the mood swings <laughs> and she's just like like there's an insert of, there's a shot of keely where she's just like like kind of like oh my god like <laughs> even i didn't see i fuck it you fucking 10 percenters yeah that's what you are you know what fuck you all and 10 percenters is just I, I mean i didn't i tried to figure out what go ahead boss did you, did you figure out i mean i know what it means from what I know what it means, it just means like an agent or someone that takes pe- 10% of somebody else's income is, is typically a 10%er, someone who lives off somebody else's hard work. And they, and like, if you say it in a pejorative term, it's, it's, it's mocking them okay. for being, you know, you're not, you're not the originator of content. You are someone who is dependent on another creator to get your wages and you're, you're satisfied with 10% of their earnings. Um, and I, but I looked it up, I, like Urban Dictionary, trying to figure out if there was a, a British derivation that I wasn't aware of, and there was nothing. So I'm just guessing that's all it was. She, she, she has the mentality to uh, come up with like a brilliant idea called Starfucker, where people, where an app that actually cares about getting people to fu- helping people fuck celebrities. Um, and what did they come up with? Nothing. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I thought that she just screwed up a one percenter. Like all you elite assholes with all of your accounting money. Oh yeah, right. 
Okay, so she goes to pick up the, the MacBook off the off the desk, to which Bab says, what? That's ours. Yeah, that's ours. Well, fuck off then. Okay. <laughs> and she gives, gives Babs the finger. I um, I adore this. I mean, I could I really could just spend a lot of time on his speech, but I thought this was great character in that Babs is enjoying the show. What you are not gonna do is fuck up Babs bean counting at the end of the day. So you ain't walking out of here. You can yell, you can scream, you can do whatever you want. What you're not gonna do is walk out of here with our fucking property. And I just loved, <laughs> I loved that Babs yes. was like, ha ha ha, okay, that's not funny. Like, yes. you can do anything else, but put down that fucking MacBook. I just thought that was so great. Yeah, line item police. I love it. Um, then she goes, Dan, let's go. To which Dan says, what, boss? Uh, actually, I'm staying. And then she leans into his desk and says, what? Suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> to, to Dan, of all people. A guy we just found <sighs> out. A guy who's such a, <sighs> such a non-factor. We didn't even know his name oh my God. Uh, until she rejected him. Until she said, right. not you, Dan. Right, right. Yeah. So, oh, so okay, so here's my theory on uh, Shandy. Tell me what you think of this. I think that Shandy, either the actress, who is phenomenal, um, or maybe it was just a part of what they had decided with this character, is intended to behave like an entitled dude. And I was kind of getting that energy the whole time. And when she ended on Suck My Dick, I was like, I think that's what we're doing. What do y'all what do y'all think there? I think that that's a definite possibility. I think that there are a, a group of women who would also encompass that same sort of entitled behavior, mm-hmm. not to the same extent just because of patriarchy right, is right, everywhere. Right. But <clears throat> definitely I do think that there is something to that. Well, one of the things that stuck, stood out most for me is I in general hate when sex acts are used as insults because like it, it like i don't is there a man out there who's going to be like oh suck my getting my dick sucked is a bad thing is anybody going to think like oh i do, i know this is be terrible so there's like a weird sort of power dynamic going on yeah. i usually don't enjoy that stuff what yeah women telling somebody to suck their dick though is one of my favorite things ever I love it so much. Like just it, the role reversal, the idea that the woman be like, whatever this insult is, I am telling it to you. <laughs> so go ahead and suck my dick. <laughs> I think it's great. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, I, I used to have a bit about that where I was like, the nastiest thing you can say to someone is the nicest thing you can do with them. Yes. Like it's like yes. the weirdest thing. What do you mean? Fuck you. Like, all right. Like, and, I mean, what? It's a weird way, I, thing. I tell people to get fucked all of the time. It's one of my favorite things to tweet at senators. Like, I really do enjoy it. But also, even when I do, I think, like, mm, this is weird. Like, I you wouldn't, like, insultingly say to some guy in traffic, well, I'm going to make sweet love to you, buddy. Like, that's, it's just, right. it's a weird thing. Right. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm sure the senators you're tweeting that at will run to the nearest men's restroom and and have a go and oh then my God. legislate Ugh. everything away. So I don't want to um, name names, but Mitt Romney, I fucking hate yeah. you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now here's the, here is the, uh, here is the thing. 
Um, she walks out laser beaming her middle finger, like directing it at, at people. Keely, uh, the way she does it is great. I want to call out. I can't believe we haven't called her out yet. Her name is Ambreen Razia, the actor that plays Shandy fine. Okay. Here. Uh, and I wrote in, the <laughs> I wrote in the show doc here endeth the lesson. Um, okay. So a lot of things happened here. One of the things I hated about the entire Shandy Fine storyline is that it was so polarizing that I think so many people who watched Ted Lasso really turned against Shandy. And for me, it always smells like misogyny and racism because she's, you know, she's, she's a woman and she's a woman of color. And I always get my, my hackles up when that happens. Um, and I, I think it's just easier for people, you know, my kids and I watch survivor. Uh, it's the only reality. We don't watch any reality TV, but like you go, no, no, no. Like you got to stick. Like they always vote the black players off first. And you're like, what is happening? Like, you know, this, this has been 44 seasons or something, you know, and the two black uh, two black they're players and not characters, they're regular humans who know this is going to happen. And they like are taking each other out. And you're like, no, no. So anyway, when I look at, her, the reaction to Shandy Fine online, I I didn't like that she was so polarizing because I'm like, well, they're tr- they're clearly doing something with her. And then the Hufflepuff in me that uh, Boss has so oh, quickly labeled me as, if you said Coach Castle, you're the president starting tomorrow, what would happen would be, oh, I guess, a dictator, not president. I I always say like, what we need is a help economy because everybody needs help and nobody wants to admit they need help. And even the people that don't think they need help, need help. And and the thing that always breaks my heart is we've spent so much of our life. First of all, here's the first thing that breaks my heart. We just came out of a pandemic and no one's done any healing. None. None. We just move on. Like business as usual. Little kids kids everywhere got crushed, crushed. And who has looked out for them? Where is the national... Uh, awareness uh, where is the, everybody coming together to protect the children that had to go through this traumatic event not nothing everybody's back to work oh the economy must roll on fuck that anyway that's the first thing but the second thing is i sit here and i am of the belief this is this is not uh i have no evidence of this but i always feel like my dad used to say everybody's dumb at something that you're just something like everybody's dumb at something you know you could have you find the smartest man in the world albert einstein i bet i bet if you give him a lacrosse stick he's not going to be the greatest like it doesn't matter like everybody's dumb at something but i always feel like everybody's good at something and it kills me that every child in this world doesn't have a chance to figure that out and i always think like i wish everybody had a team and i wish you grew up with a team of people where you say okay this is my person this person's going to uh, be, be sort of help me through my mental whatever. This person's going to help me through vocationally. This person's not in addition to your family, and everybody has this little team that kind of helps and guides them and gets them to places where they wouldn't otherwise get. Because all we're restricted to is our parents, and sometimes you don't have great parents, and then you're behind the eight ball. But if you had somebody that knew this stuff, professional, um, they could help you in places where your parents were just were just not experts. The other thing is, kids just don't get a. Uh, they don't get um, exposed to everything. So I remember, God, there was this, I was on this train ride. I was on a, uh, it was in, uh, I was in a train from Nakuru, uh, Nairobi to Nakuru in Kenya. 
And I think I've mentioned this before. I was I was heading to Nakuru. My father was uh, he joined the Peace Corps when he was sixty seven years old um, because his marriage uh, to my mom had sort of petered out. And at that age, he's like, I just want to do something. I think he needed some meaning in his life, so he joined the Peace Corps at sixty seven. And he got assigned to Kenya, so I went out to visit him. And I remember we we're on this um, train, and he says, "You got to buy something before you." get on the train so you can throw to the children on the side. Have I mentioned this before? Does this sound familiar to you guys? No? I don't know. I think you've told it to me, but I don't think you've told it on the podcast. I don't think okay, so. Okay, so so we're on this train, and he says the best thing you can buy them is pencils. So we went around Nairobi trying to find packs of pencils. And I remember one of my – God, it's such a beautiful memory. I were just – we're going, and I got candy too. I got whatever I could afford. I was – you know, I didn't have a lot of money back then, but I – but I, uh, or now, I have less now, I think. <laughs> Shit. Um, God damn it. Four kids will do that to you. So, uh, but but we're driving, going through, not driving. We're on the train going going through these really deserted parts of Kenya. And kids are running. There's the train. And if you throw out, I remember this one little little uh, boy. I threw out this, this, you know, all these pencils you throw and they all go off, spin off in different directions. This little boy, couldn't have been more than five years old, picks up the pencil, looks at it and just starts jumping up and down arms in the air. Cause he got a pencil. And I'm like, oh these God. kids, no one can show this kid what, a f- what, what, how to play the flute. No one can show this, this kid how to kick a field goal. No one can show everything. No one can show this kid, um, you know, uh, uh, calculus. I just like, I want every kid to have a shot at, um, at just like, find out what you're, superpowers because i always feel like you know everyone's great at something and they and they're just usually not exposed to it and it doesn't have to be something big not i'm not saying everybody's einstein i'm saying you know sometimes somebody uh they they mow lawns and they really love the the satisfaction of perfect lines on the lawn and that that is you can say okay well if someone had grown up with them and showed like someone in their team had said okay you have a genetic predisposition to order and so maybe these careers would help you or whatever. And without it being Gattaca, I always just think when I bring it back to this, I feel like the world failed Shandy Fine. And it, it's a totally different I way get, of I approaching it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I think she's excellent in many ways. And I think she's passionate. And I think she's got a brain in there, even as rooted in, you know, whatever. But maybe somebody should have said, listen, your your mom had, uh, you know, was was bipolar or something? You might want to get some med- like whatever, whatever. I'm not saying she's bipolar, but like whatever it is, I just feel like God. We as a world could do better for the Shandy Fines who show promise. And the th- what what ruined her? What ruined everything for Shandy? She didn't know, you know, boundaries. She didn't know rules of society, rules of engagement. But I loved how she felt when she was in that office. She was so happy to be there. And it kills me that like that's gone from her life now. And I know that's very, very outside the box as a take, but I just go, God damn, I really enjoyed that character for what it was worth, even though she could be irritating. Beyond the sort of the borders of this show, um, I, I think you hit on a really important issue. And quickly, I'll share. There's a project we had at one point. We pitched with a actually pitched with a piece piece of talent. A name you'd know, but it, but we went we went around. But the story was, and you'll enjoy this, boss, because it's a Chicago story. Uh, there was a guy oh, named yeah. Willie Lloyd, who was the king of kings. He was like the like you know gangster of all gangsters, and and basically at I want to say I have the, the pitch was a while ago, but as I remember it, 
At the age of 14, he had a thousand street soldiers reporting to him. Holy shit. Okay. And, and, and one of the points we made in the pitch um, about this guy was, and we had a whole take on, you know, blah, 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 telling the story, but it was, we have to show off his brilliance. If this guy's born somewhere else, he's a freaking Senate, you know, intern and whatever. I mean, 14 years old, I've never been in charge of a thousand people. Personally, I'm 50. You know, like, (laughs) Jesus. And this guy, you know, and so, yeah, we can all drug deal. And I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm not saying any of the other things. I'm just saying, yeah, if we, you know, what would happen if you point that in the right direction? I know, you know, my... uh, in the autobiography of Malcolm X, he talks about that with West Indian Archie, who ran numbers. And he's like, this guy could have been, you know, a physicist. I mean, are you kidding? Like, he remembered all those numbers over all those years? That's crazy. So, anyway, I, I, yeah. I, you're on to something, Coach. I, I, I 100% agree. I just yes. think, like, God damn it. It just breaks my heart when we can't expose children. It's children. You know, whatever. Just It just, yeah. And anyway, I yeah, Shandy Fine. I also put a little picture of her into the show doc and that right like they, they made her up to to play up the garishness of her, of her whatever but that is a strikingly beautiful person i would i, I would yeah. not say that i'm absolutely on the wavelength that boss has shared in terms of uh you know just attracting those who will ruin your your credit uh, mm-hmm. but i will mm-hmm. say that i had a stretch in my life where i attracted some pretty uh garish women and uh <laughs> just had a gift for it like sometimes it'd sneak up on me i'd be like how am i back here what the fuck is yeah. this oh and, how did this happen to me again and mm. my goodness when shandy was going off in that art in that um office i was like yeah. it is not the healthiest party that's like this is the hottest this woman's been the entire time yes this- <laughs> <laughs> she's screaming like a lunatic I- and i'm like ooh. I kind of love that you mentioned that shortly after talking about Willie Lloyd and how he had skills in one way and everything. I think that people rightly think that I am blunt because I am. I should have said I'm blunt. This is what I mean. I'm blunt. I don't know why I decided to soften the qualify that (laughs) weird. Anyway, so I am a blunt person. One of the things that that one of the ways in which that gets me into trouble is that I'll say like a thought I had this morning that I knew you guys were going to hate was, well, Higgins is a coward. Like I'm Higgins is a coward. I'm not saying he's a bad person. See, this is exactly it. This is exactly it. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm not saying that I don't think he's good at his job or that he is a good husband or good father or anything else. What I'm saying is that he has throughout the show has pre- been presented with the chance to tell somebody something that they didn't want to hear and to do something against somebody who might be able to hurt him. And he has chosen not to act. He didn't tell Rebecca that Rupert was cheating mm. on him. And he didn't tell Ted that Rebecca had hired him in order to sabotage the team. Like everything else that Higgins has done. Phenomenal. He is a coward. And I say that without judgment and without disliking him, I think that he is not able to rise to the moment. And Castleton is disagreeing with me intensely. Well, no, just because I think those he, his loyalty is supposed to be for who he's working for at any given time. 
He's not supposed to back. That would make him a backstabber. That would make him a traitor. So Rebecca, he, uh, uh, listen, uh, and you're not, you're not wrong. I just go, wait a second. Um, okay. Let's play it out. Let's say, okay. Yeah. You're saying he's a coward. I would say, uh, okay. To the part of me that agrees with you on this one, you know, listen, I've, I've said for the record here, boss, he sucks at his job. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he is yes. a, right. Yes. But I think he's more of what Jamie would call a bunny rabbit. You know, like, I think he's like, just like a little gentle, sweet thing, because if, if he's working for Rupert, is he supposed to, I think, stick with Rupert at that time? Like, that was way outside the bounds. And we didn't know, oh, they were having lunch, and he was part of the ploy. Like, that's pretty gross. Um, yeah. And then with Rebecca, uh, you know, he was on the outs. He's like, this is our current communications director, Leslie. And you're like, oh, wait, current, remember? Or like that moment where he's like, oh, I'm. And so he's supposed to just go and tell Ted, hey, you know, she, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're right. I, I, I think it's interesting. It's under, it's funny. I hear you saying why it's understandable. I don't know that means that it wasn't cowardly. Exactly. This is exactly what I am talking about, that I don't have a lot of interpersonal talents, but one that I do is accepting people exactly where they are. So I would say if Higgins didn't want to quit when Rupert was asking him to do shit that was not required of him of his job, then okay. But that does mean that he's a coward. And if he wasn't willing to quit when Rebecca was doing this shit to Ted, then that all means he was a coward then also. And that is without judgment. And I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm saying what I would take into account when dealing with Higgins is you cannot expect him to stand up and tell you when you're doing wrong. Because, or understand time zones. Or understand That's time funny. zones. Right. Like, and, and so I think that there is this, like when it comes to Shandy, Yes, people needed to like instruct her on boundaries. She needed to be less garish and less uh, calling people at four in the morning to ask about condoms for balls. Like she, she needed a lot of help. She has a lot of talents. There is a place for her in the world. In the same way that John Wings Knight found his yes. Jessica she is going to find something that works for her. Yes. So yes, we do want to encourage people to do their best, but also we want to recognize that their talents are their talents and their flaws are their flaws. Well, listen, I just want to say, boss, you know, in the midst of all your woman splaining, <laughs> you have completely f- just looked right past the concept of how fantastic of an idea are condoms for balls. You haven't even mentioned that. What kind of balls, by the way? Yeah, like, I, I testicles. Was, I, I, I. What I loved about it was that it felt. That I couldn't think of a way to make that an even reasonable idea in itself. Like I was like, like just getting back from the <laughs> yeah. fact that it's four a.m. Getting the fact that it's like who you're pitching it to. Getting back from all of that. What do you mean, condoms? Balls. Like, balls. what is happening? You no, know, yeah, I did way too much thinking about, like, why you would need that. And anyway, I just think, you know, boss is just, just doesn't want to admit what a visionary uh, Shandy is. That's fine. Listen. Like, little girl on girl crime. It's fine. I believe that there is, in fact, a real life. I don't know what it's called. Uh, but there is a dating app that is supposed to be for only wealthy sort of famous people in L.A. Or maybe New York or one of those. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah, oh, it yeah, one? Yeah. There's, you, have, you have to. We talked about this before. You have to like 
you have to get sponsored and you have to get in and you have to be vetted yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. So, like, the fact that she was bringing it to the people, there is already this idea. She is making it more accessible. Like, the, the star fucker is not a bad idea. The condom for balls is a terrible idea because just make a longer condom, I think, is what you're going for. And that's an entirely different thing. Oh, longer. Okay. Yeah, so you uh, just Raya. slide them around. Raya is the name Raya, of Raya. There we go. Yes. I was thinking of Viva, and that's a paper towel, which should tell you how far outside of the L.A., New York scene I am. I would never be able to guess. That's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, uh, have you visited the um, pub across the street that opened six months ago, by the way? <laughs> oh, my God. I made it. Oh, my God. I made it. Did you really? It. I did. It. I did. I swear to God. Hilarious. Oh, holy shit. I might need to tell you this. Tell me they have great meat pies. I actually had their um, uh, chicken tikka masala and panner pie with uh, coal cannon. All of it was delicious. Nice. Um, oh. Yes. Super delicious. It is actually because, and I will, it might be on my Twitter. I'll maybe repost it. Um, I, it was Friday afternoon. My plans changed. And so I got to go to dinner early. And the reason that I got to go to dinner early is there was no traffic on the street because some motherfucker driving down my side street was going so fast that he flipped his SUV going over a speed bump. The car was upside down. You can check. You can check boss's uh, Twitter accounts and pictures of it. It's a real thing. If you have seen the uh, Dark Knight. Fucking Christopher Nolan, because he's an insane person, flipped a semi in downtown Chicago in the middle of the street. And this son of a bitch did a similar thing on my side street with a Range Rover of some kind. Didn't hit anything else. Just flipped his car straight over. It was wild. You have to be going really fast. What moniker? Oh, God, so fast. What moniker did you you, uh, name, name this gentleman now? Oh, the Dork Knight? I did call him yeah, the dork, dork, the Dork Knight. I appreciated that. I really did. Hey, thanks. Uh, okay, so so we have now. Um, okay, uh, here ends the chapter on Shandy Fine. Barbara sitting there watching. She says, mm, "Well, I'm not going to say it." And Keely says, "What, boss?" No, but you're going to think it. Yep. And Barbara says, yes, often and forever. I I I actually feel this is a bonding moment. I feel like this is how friends would discuss this. This is like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I think there's a version of this that could happen two episodes ago, however much time that is in the context of this, uh, in, of this world, where Barbara would have really meant like, Lesson learned, you're an idiot. Like, from now on, I make the decision. And that's not that's not the vibe here. This is just like, told you so. Yes. And I thought yeah. that I thought there was some fun to that. Yes. And I do hope that this means that it, it like if we're talking about Keely becoming the manager of her own firm and really becoming the boss of this place, she needed to act quickly to get rid of Shandy because Shandy was fucking shit up. And also, I think she needs to realize that she needs to trust Barbara a little bit more, even if Barbara is going to be poo-pooing all of her ideas. I I think, yes, and sort of yes and, I think the two of them, 
<clears throat> excuse me, if they could like recognize the power of them as a team. I also see that. And I wondered if on some level we were going to experience a Babs, Keeley, um, Beard, Ted 2.0. That, that, that was what I wondered because it was sort of like, you know, also though, Shandy did do a good job with that shoot. And Shandy and she- was the one who figured out how to save them all that money on extras. I mean, there was something there. So I think, how do we balance that? Like, how and do we make that work? And Shandy tripled subscriptions overnight. <laughs> In an hour. <laughs> In an hour, right. In an hour, yeah. And how to clean up lamb poop. Yikes. That was Yeah, no, she's, that's what I'm saying. She's impressive. I, listen, for me, I understand a lot of people were happy to see Shandy go, and I really get that. It was not the subplot I liked least. I think I've mentioned... Uh, the, whatever the Jack and Keeley thing is feels to me like the one where I check out mentally a little bit. But um, anyway, Shandy's gone. We hold on Keeley. She smiles a little bit. Classical music comes up, or it's uh, actually Romanza by Idea. Um, Rebecca is very quiet as she walks into a waiting room. Hello there, I'm Rebecca Welton. I have an appointment with Dr. Wagner, Dr. Wagner. So we go, oh, what's this? This is a little bit out of left field. Uh, receptionist says, fill this out and he'll be right with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Receptionist instructs her to take a seat. And she takes a big exhale. And she looks around the room. And Coach, what does she notice about the room that she's in? She's the only. Or specifically, everybody else in the room. She's the only single person. And I guess we should, uh, in the spirit of the post of uh, Higgins' joke, point out, single as in there by herself. We don't necessarily absolutely know what the relationships are otherwise, but she is there by herself. Yeah, what? and and it's interesting. And we always talk about shot selection. One thing I really like is she, we see her looking around. Every time we see a shot of a couple, we get a reaction shot of her reacting to it. We get a, a – uh, they don't have to do that. They can just do her looking. They could do – but they hammer the point home. Here's one couple, then back to her face. Here's another couple, then back to her face. And there's this real dreamy sound sound cue, sort of this music playing over the top, very slow, kind of ethereal, dreamy music. And um, Boss, you have something? You look like you're about to jump in. I do. I'm about to ruin your whole night. Because there is oh, one single woman, at least she's in the shot by herself, blonde hair, half up. Uh, white shirt, brown jacket. The reason I know that for sure is that I am looking at a tweet right now from uh, the handle is a uh, boss ass buyers, which I appreciate. I'm also going to retweet this in case anybody's interested. Um, the actors who played those people in the waiting room have been on the show previously, specifically in the coffee shop where Rebecca had coffee with John Wayne's night. No. Yes. Yes, they're the same actors. There was um, uh, a couple, a man and a woman at the bar one time. So not at the coffee shop, but at a different place. There's a screenshot of the actors in the previous shot and then lined up in the office. So these are, whether we're supposed to believe they're the exact same characters, it is the same actors that are now apparently coming to have children. Interesting. 
Okay, and there was one of them that was single? At least one. It does look like one of the women. So um, in the coffee shop at one point, there were a couple at the table, both of them on their phones, not talking to each other, but looking at their own phones. So the woman is there, but it looks like the man she was with at at that point isn't with her. It's now a different gentleman that's with her. So maybe she moved on to a different relationship and they are going to have a child together. Oh, yeah. You know, the funny part about this is it's strangely not in the show notes. I'm looking at the show notes and no. I'm seeing, yeah, no, it's not in the show no, notes. No, it's definitely not in the show so notes. So I just really want to appreciate the fact that you waited for me to establish something. Uh-huh. So you could just <laughs> shut it down. Yeah. In, yeah. Just in no, time. I, no, it's. That feels feels a little, uh, you know, not this, Ted Lasso-y to me, but uh, this is how no, it's I, good. Thanks, this thanks, is boss. how I bring the magic and the spark. I'm keeping you on your toes constantly. And Listen, then also, leaders, I, stop I fighting. I don't want to just spend Saturdays with Coach Castleton. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. That was, wow. That is PTSD going on right there. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. Thank you, boss. Uh, this is why you're the boss. See, that's it. We, we leadership is top down. We just we take our cues from you, and now we know what the uh, and you don't get those cues written. Rules of engagement are what's that? And you do not get those cues written. Yeah, good. I like that. I like mm-hmm. having to pivot on the fly. That's good. All right. So listen, the point is, I I far be it for me to interpret uh you know what they're trying to convey in Ted Lasso but it did seem to me like once we had the insert shot we have a shot of her looking down at the paperwork then we take a she takes a deep breath sort of stealing herself and then we see that she's inserting uh uh she's she is meant to fill out a sheet and the extreme close up we see is of the line on the sheet that says emergency contact first name and I thought that was an affirmation of her aloneness. Yes, I thought that was a show making us know that she is what she is feeling is alone. Right? Is that okay? Boss, boss is nodding. Yes, definitely. Yes. Oh, thank God. Whew. All right, we're back. We're back, boss. Right in sync. All right, good. Um, so uh, she is looking at this, and then we get this really. The next shot is a real close up of her eyes looking down. I thought it was a beautiful shot. And I thought, man, do we ever go this tight on anybody but Ted and Rebecca? It may even not be this tight on Ted, but like these are really tight shots. Uh, yeah, f- fascinating. And then the moment is broken abruptly by the arrival of Dr. Wagner. Rebecca, what a nice surprise. And we pull back. She's, uh, th- this is uh, Dr. Wagner, played by Julian Forsyth. Uh, she smiles up at him. You don't have to fill out all that junk. He waves it away, p- takes the paperwork out of her hand. Oh, uh, come on back, my dear, he says. She says, thank you. She's a little nervous. She's, you know, she's very, very quick with the smile. Rebecca's great. She knows how to, how to, you know, have a, have a strong exterior. But as he walks away, there's this beat where she composes herself again. I don't know. Did you guys catch that little moment where she's like, she's really. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely doing like her grace under fire best. I mean, this is right up there with, you know, here I thought men couldn't um multitask, right? I mean, it's just like Yes. There's a lot yeah. going on, but Excellent he is call. not gonna give that off. I mean, before we go into into the office, um I had the sense, again, this this is a my feeling, I don't know if this is true, but 
that because of um, Ola's the 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 matchbook, and then having the verification of classic Wings Night moment where Shite and Nodding Armor, that she now is taking agency to say, "Well, maybe shit, maybe I can have a baby." Right? It, it, right? Is this? Is, do you think that that was a natural progression, and that influenced this decision? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think. I mean, again, in the spirit of it's the hope that kills you, right? I mean, she says to Tish, you're fucking cruel because there's nothing I'd want more. And, and that train has left the station. And, and I think the, the, the matchbook and the shite knighting armor says, but what if it hasn't? Right. I mean, there's just this sort of like glimmer, right? There's this glimmer of hope. Yes, there is definitely a glimmer of hope. It reminded me, I don't want to say that it's a Greek tragedy, because I don't want any part of this to be tragic. But to me, it felt a little bit like the Oracle tells Oedipus, you're going to kill your dad and sleep with your mom. He's like, shit, I can't do that. So he leaves. And then that happens. So a little bit for me, it was these things happened that convinced Rebecca to do the thing that she wanted to do anyway. I I love that. And I I, I actually would lean into the piece that you're saying about Greek tragedies in that it's going to, the thing you think is going to happen or the thing you're told is going to happen or the thing you believe is going to happen is going to happen. It just ain't going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. Yes. Right? That's so fun. Like it's so, you're watching, you're going, what? And then you're, so I, I, I have a theory, like in um, those who are old enough, this being a, a, a Gen X, uh, very heavy show in terms of uh, Ted Lasso, uh, there was Who Shot JR, famously. The, and there was a show, Dallas, and the big yep. villain gets killed, and Who Shot JR, and to the point where they were like betting on it in Vegas. Like this, it's hard to believe, but this was humongous. And Who Shot JR, Who Shot JR. And if I were going to create scenarios for what's going to play out, I have one that I would enter in. It's a bit of a long shot, but actually, boss, you started me down this road where you, you talked about Ted and Rebecca maybe, you know, putting their faces together, but they don't end up together. But what in the if in the process of faces coming together, we end up with the pregnancy that couldn't happen? And that's what is going to be the third Rebecca comes down to the office announcement. Oh, what? I I mean, I feel like of us. I'm Wait, sh- what did I miss? I miss. I miss. They some. get together. I, so it's, it's unlike they have the it's first. Some, they have face to face pregnancy. They, oh, oh, oh! <laughs> they do get together. No, 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 no. I was just. Oh. I, I, I was. I was skating the past. But yes, they 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 get together. You know, one night. However, that all transpires. We're hanging out and, you know, drinking in the office as we do here at Richmond. And so they end up spending this night and then they're not in love. It's none of that. But they did that. And then that's how Rebecca ends up pregnant. I would actually feel weirdly okay with that. Um, I think that there is some hesitancy for me because I feel like Sam and Rebecca were genuinely if not in love, yeah. very close to it. Like yeah. that was a serious relationship and they had some serious feelings. Yeah. And it would be pretty difficult 
to yeah. get around how Sam is going to feel about that. Yeah, Even if prob- Sam is with somebody else like that. Yeah, um, probably not great. No, you're especially because of the way they broke up and the dynamic. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm with you on that. I, it, I get it. it. Yeah, it feels like it's going to be hard for the writers to get us to believe that Ted and Rebecca have secretly been in love while Sam and Rebecca have not been. And Ted and Sassy's relationship doesn't mean enough to weigh in. Like, there's yeah. a lot of moving parts. I feel like... Sometimes friends sleep together and they don't end up getting married and it's fine. So if that were to happen, it would constitute a very large change for Ted Lasso's life just because now he's going to have one kid in one continent and another kid in another. And how the Mm. fuck is he going to deal with that? But I would not be opposed to that being the way in which they end up getting together eventually. We going to share grandkids. Mm. Um, I, um, maybe I, but do you remember the beat? And I should have looked this up, but uh, where they were talking about Rebecca and Sassy were doing girl talk. And she's like, oh, and does he like, yes. oh, yeah, yeah, puns the whole way through. He's very earnest. And Rebecca's like, yeah. She yes. spits out the biscuit. She sure does. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm like, oh, that's, there's not a whole lot of attraction, uh, you know, that, that is evidenced in that, in that moment. But uh, I, it's so, I this you. is where I would also like to call out that I am a, very online person and a lot of the people I know are the people I'm on this podcast with right now are aware of what people are saying on the interwebs. Uh, But when I have mentioned, not as much as you, I think you are, I am here like a, you talk about JV coach is like not even JV. He's like, like, no, what now? (laughs) I am. I am like, I am looking up if hyenas are social animals. I'm going to Twitter accounts for hyenas. I like, I'm doing it. Yes, I'm online. Right. Yes. And when I mention to people not online that there is this theory that Ted and Rebecca are going to end up together romantically and be in love, they say, who? And I say, Ted Lasso and the boss woman, Rebecca. Yeah, no, they're, they're going to date people. People think they're going to date. Like it's just complete confusion and disbelief. Mm. So I don't know if this has become more of an online thing than the greater world is uh, aware of. Yeah, I think you might be. Yeah, I think you might be. It wouldn't be the first time. Just going to throw that out there. So Dr. Wagner moves Rebecca back to, uh, escorts her back to his office. Notice uh, if you're wealthy, you get his office and not some shitty operatory or examination room where you have to sit on that fucking paper and wait 40 minutes for a nurse to come in and do your blood pressure. you get just real wooden leather. And he says, take a seat. She says, thank you. Make yourself at home. He sits down. So how are you holding up? Um, did you, uh, Real quick, without getting too far into it, I found myself liking Dr. Wagner. Did you have any feeling one way or the other, either one of you? He seemed pleasant enough. I don't know if I need him to have uh, a several arc story, but I liked him. Coach? I... I... I liked that he 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 deals with a pretty based on what we now learn about his practice, which we're about to get into. He deals with people at a pretty sensitive time, and I thought he had an almost perfect temperament for that. I said perfect like my father, so that was weird. But anyway, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has a, no it had a T has a T at the end. Uh, for those of you who are not Panamanian. And so <laughs> that was so interesting. Uh, but, 
<laughs> but he has a per- he has a perfect temperament for somebody who's dealing with people who are maybe coming into his office absolutely spiraling. Like he was so, and th- I mean this word in the best way. He was so normal. Like he was just asking you about normal shit. You live a whole life. This is one thing that's going on. Talk to me. Okay, great. I mean, he just, I don't know, seemed like a perfect manner for somebody who's dealing with all this. So I I agree with that. Um, He says, how are you holding up? And then she doesn't know what he means. There's this moment where she's like, wait, like, is it about, maybe she knew him during the Rupert days, whatever. He says, given Richmond's current slump, you poor thing. So stressful. It must be. Oh, well, it's been a bit, she she puts back on her armor. It's been a bit tough. I admit, but we're just in a bit of a bad stretch. Well, it all, it will all work out. I know it. Again, Jamie Lee, they don't bury these these lines in here accidentally. Um, and then he said, <laughs> then the next line is, as long as you have Zavo, you'll be just fine. Uh, he's amazing, isn't he? Uh, yes, he is. We're, we're very lucky to have him. So tell me what brings you Wait, in today. Before you do the transition, quickly, yeah. Rebecca is really good. And it's part of that social graces stuff that, you know, that you, you tend to highlight. She's really good at saying the thing that will move us on from the part of the conversation she's just kind of done with. So, yes, you didn't change your hair. Uh, honestly, I don't really give a shit. Don't ever change it. Blah, blah, blah. Moving on. Like, she just has a way. Nor, nor should you. It's right. I mean, she just keeps it moving. It's very it's very smooth. So I thought this was very a very we're lucky to have him like. She thinks all sorts of thoughts, none of which she's going to share right now. That's a line that gets us out. You know, I just like it. Love it. Um, so she says, he says, all right, uh, what brings me, what brings you in today? Rebecca says, what boss? She says, right. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm aware that what I'm about to ask, given my age is a, a, a bit far fetched. I was just wondering if. And he says, if you're able to have children. And she says, yes, that. yes, that. Yeah. And he said, and I really love that. He's like, it's not far fetched at all. I treat women your age and older all the time. It was really nice how he said that. Yes. It was really great. Um, she says, you do. Absolutely. Now that said, I can't guarantee. She, oh, no, no, of course not. I know. Right. Yep. This Go is- ahead. Go ahead. Who's what you guys both are. Coach is clapping and boss is gesturing. You what? got it, boss. boss go. Take it away. I, this felt to me uh, the same as uh, season one, episode three, when Ted won over Trent Grimm. And also when in Beard After Hours, when Beard uh, did the amazing fake Oxford accent in order to convince the guys at the pool table that he was a professor, like the moment when it clicked and this is going to be okay. Like he not only knew exactly why she was stammering through that, he knew exactly what to say, exactly how to couch it in the language that he wasn't saying, Oh, we can definitely get you pregnant. Don't worry about that at all. Like, but just saying your wants right now are valid. The fact that you would like to have a baby at this age is not unreasonable. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. And Rebecca needs to hear this right now. Rebecca has lost access to Keely uh, in the same way that she once had her. She's now finding that she needs to get solace from um, Higgins, who says the right thing the last time they had an interaction. Um, Remember, he whatever. And so she is in a vulnerable place and she's alone in this moment. And I thought it showed kindness and help for the doctor to understand 
and and help her get through the beat. Um, uh, she says, of course, I know we can run some tests and see what's possible. Sound good? Uh, he, he says, great. She says, great. Yeah, thank you. And he says, well, he gets up, uh, sit tight, relax. I'll have our tech take some blood and do some imaging, like right, like right to business. And he says, um, wonderful to see you. And he touches her on the arm. Now, this kind of sucks because I really like that touch on the arm. And if, if we weren't in such a creepy world, you know what I mean? That's like the, t- that's the kind of touch I tend to like, uh, uh, you know, when I see it or when it, you know, like, you know, somebody just is like shows there, it just used to be a thing. I don't know. People would like mm-hmm. put up uh, there. They'd leave a party. And before they leave, they'd pat you on the shoulder, like over somebody and be like, so long. Like, you know, they, the, the, this, but touch has sort of become bastardized and ruined. Um, and, but I did like this little tiny beat there because it felt, um, kind It felt kind and generous. Hey boss. Yes. Also my only disagreement is that I feel like this kind of touching is still okay and still should be accepted if not encouraged in some cases. It's like, uh, there's such a significant difference between cat calling and, a woman walking past me on the bus and me saying, Oh my God, I love your skirt. Like mm-hmm. there's a way in which you could do compliments to strangers in public. That is not creepy and totally fine. And there's ways in which you can uh, a- touch an acquaintance in a way that is reassuring and okay. Like I feel like this was totally fine and should continue to be totally fine. I'm really, yeah. I'm really glad you said that because I do think context is so very important also, I resent, that's the right word. I resent when guys say, and guys I know and guys I don't know, oh, you can't even talk to a woman anymore. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not true. Part of me feels like you know <laughs> that's not true. So yeah. stop saying it. Like somewhere between you can't even talk to a woman anymore and nice tits. There's there's yes. a nice, there's a reasonable thing to say. And yes. like, can you try to find that thing or no? So, yeah. I, yeah. And I think it's the same way that people are like, oh, you can't be funny anymore. You can't make jokes. Well, you can. You can't make bad jokes. That's the thing. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yep. <sighs> okay. Um, so, so he, uh, he says, uh, uh, she says likewise to him when he says, wonderful to see you. He says, go Richmond on his way out. And we hold on Rebecca and she absorbs this and she's smiling. She's really smiling. She raises her eyebrows like, huh, at the possibility. The music is less, a little less ethereal. It's a little happier. Uh, Then we get a subjective POV, her looking at a model of a baby, a physical model of a baby in utero. And you think, what is it that kills you again, coach? Uh, That would be hope. So we cut to another B-roll establishing shot of lawn mowing. Sprinkler kicks on. Music kicks up. It's You can do it. I always joke with Coach that I think it's so fu- it's such a weird thing. And I don't know how to place it. It could just be my – it could be just weird because I'm an idiot and I sound stupid. So I assume that all white uh, men specifically sound stupid. But whenever somebody introduces – like I think people play it up. What show was it? was a high school principal and he's like, here's this song. And then he has to do the featuring part. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, I'm just mm-hmm. like, it just sounds so awkward when a white guy, I don't really know. So coach, what is the song that, that kicks up while uh, we cut to uh, the training session at Richmond? You can do it by Ice Cube featuring Matt 10 and Miss Toy. There you go. 
Thank you, Coach. Um, we're in the weight room. Isaac, uh, uh, the music, that, that sound cue is real. That music cue is real short. It's like comes up with the sprinkler. Yeah. We we establish the locker room. You know, I started trying to figure. I think other people have done this where I was like, okay, who's lifting what? It just seemed like like Colin was benching like ten kilograms on each side or something. I'm like, oh, that's not a that's not a ton of weight. Um, but anyway, it, do, it doesn't really matter. I don't know if that matters at all. Um, so Isaac stands up, right? Listen up. When you're leaving, get yourself a shower, get some rest. More importantly, no video games before bedtime. Unless what, uh, Coach? What is it? Unless it's Animal Crossing. That shit's fucking soothing. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Sam tries to jump in. He goes, well done, guys. You know, I think we're really starting to turn our fortunes around. Ever the optimist. And, of course, Jan Moss jumps in. And what does he say, uh, 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 boss? Well, actually, Sam. Right. And Colin stops him right away. Jan Moss, no need. Sam, we're playing like shit. And we all know it. And they all go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and then, so. I'm yeah. not sure if uh, how much weight Colin is benching is that important, but this might be the first time that we see him actually finish the reps without the spotter needing to pull the right. ball off him. That is true. that felt that's important. a good point. That's, that felt like he yeah. he's making progress even if he's not that's a great lifting a, a million pounds yet. Yeah, no, great, great point. Um, the only reason I clocked it at all or noticed it at all was because. Later, oh well, we'll get to it. Um, uh, Jamie, of all people, pipes up. And Coach, what does he say? Hey, enough of that negativity. I wish I could do that accent. I love I know, the way it's it so sounds. It's so funny. It's so um, good. Yeah, City are great. They just are. But who the fuck cares? Because so are we. So stop acting like a bunch of little bunny rabbits. Let's fucking do this, yeah? Now, before, because shit's about to take off, um, I thought it was, I have a, this is a personal thing of mine, people who talk about optimism, cynicism, and realism. And I think they jumble what each of those is actually in the real world all the time. So, yes, Sam is being optimistic here. I mean, he's definitely glass half full. Got it. But I think often people take Yanma slash Collins point and make that realistic. And I don't think that's realistic either, because the truth of the matter is they don't just suck. Right. They're not just playing like shit. And so sometimes that that negativity, I'm I think Jamie actually nails it. Jamie introduces the reality of it. It's not that oh we're gonna kick their ass because we're fired up. It's not whatever. They're great, but hey, we're great too. And let's go for it. Let's not be scared. So to, I thought it was an interesting way of laying all that out. Jan Mas is the voice of um, harsh truths, and I get that. But here I felt like he was on the cynical side of the scale. Yes. I feel like the fact that Jan Moss usually says, well, statistically, blah, 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 right? whatever it is, that statistics don't have an opinion. Like they just are numbers. They just tell you what is most probabilistically true. Yes. And I did stutter over probabilistically a little bit because it's a hard word to say. I'm not going to uh, try it. Yeah, no, it sucks. 
Um, it, so what Jan Moss was going to say might be like, once you've gotten into a seven game slump, the chances of luck, it, it's fine. Number one, that doesn't give us a lot of information to work with right now. Whereas what Jamie's saying is number one, we're playing like a bunch of little bunnies, little bunny rabbits, which I loved because there are so many derogatory terms that he could have used there and he didn't in place. Instead of using a terrible word, he yes. used a great one. Yes. Love you, Jamie, for that. But also he said little bunny rabbits because rabbits are scared. It's not that they are bad players. Exactly. It's that they are playing exactly. scared. And when you play scared, yes. you cannot win. Yes. And, and, and can I can I just all right? This is almost certainly going to get edited out. And if there's anything we have, it's spare time. But I'm going for it. <laughs> Analytics, right? Okay. So for those of you who watch American football, I love what you just said, boss. And this is a rant I've always wanted to do. I may just clip it. I may be, I may make this my voicemail message. I just can't take it anymore. It makes me crazy when people say. On a fourth down, so-and-so should go for the fourth down. Statistically, 57%. I'm like, we're not playing a thousand versions of this fucking game. You're playing one version. You don't just, like, punch in, oh, it's third and fourth at 37. You got to know, is their line kicking our ass? Is our line kicking their ass? How much do I trust my running back? How good's their defense? Do I believe in their kicker? Which way is the fucking wind blowing? Like, we're playing one game, this game. We're not playing a thousand fucking games. It makes me crazy. Yes, you should know the statistics. You should know that we have this probability or that probability. But then a decision has to be made. Not by Watts and the fucking IBM computer. By the coach. Thank you yes. for allowing me that. No, <laughs> yes, no, you're exactly, oh. you're exactly 100% right. It's the same goddamn reason that people can't understand, the, like, the chances of it raining. If they oh. see 50% rain, they're like, oh, well, it's probably not going to happen. That's not what statistics means, guys. At all. And I, under- and I understand that this is, like, a, a function of our limited brain capacity, because even though we're brilliant in a bunch of ways, we still can't figure out how often shit actually happens. Right. But... 50% doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And people are like, oh, 50%. There's no chance. That's not super high. What? That's not that high. What? It's it's one in two. It's half. It's literally half. <laughs> wow. Coach, I feel like I need a cigarette after you finish. <laughs> I loved it so much. It makes me nuts. I scream it, it, in my house like a lunatic. At the TV. Which way is the fucking wind blowing? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Oh, God. God, it's the best. It's the best. Oh, this is why I tune into this podcast, Coach. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I, and, Boss, you stole my point, and you did it better than I could have, as always, which is – they're bunny rubs. They're playing afraid, which means they're watching Zava standing around and they're afraid to force the issue. And all of these things line up. It's so great. Let's fucking do this. Yeah. And then we hear someone go, yeah. And Zava sits up into frame. He's got a 20 kilogram weight that he's doing. Try curls behind his head with. Right. And, and then he just stands up and just drops it like like it's a like it's like a biscuit right like, and i laughed so hard at it's such a stupid joke but they again they never leave a joke on the table yeah and you hear it land and it sounds like yeah it's very funny 
It's it's just fascinating. Jamie is so right. And he walks to Jamie, stands next to him, and like rubs the back of his hair like you would a child. <laughs> and he goes, it's as if he were Zava. And Jamie goes, get off me, man. <laughs> I love this. I love this But so yeah, the much. get off me, man, also seemed like a child, though. I thought that made the joke funnier. Oh. But, right, yes. And remember, I said, Zava just doesn't even, anybody else would, like, hear that and be offended by it. He, do, he doesn't. He doesn't. He barely even notices Jamie. You know, he's just Zava. He's off in a completely different world. Get off man, and he just continues. Doesn't even notice that he gets, like, that Jamie pulls his head away. You see, I am no prophet. Prophets believe in something. I do not just believe. I know in my heart, in my bones. Uh, and then we have the cue here. God, they love to put this music cue. It's the Ted Disappears uh, song that we, we had when Zava first walked in, and it was when Ted was having his first... Um, uh, uh, panic attack, or whatever. It's this from season one. Ted disappears. Uh, score by Marcus Mumford and Tom Howe, and they just love. They've used it three times now with Zama. And when he first walked in, and now when he's giving this speech, and he says, "I know in my heart, in my bones, in my well-defined delts, traps, and glutes." I cackled, cackled. What the hell? That was so. Like, what is happening right now? It's so specific. It's great. Uh, now Van Dam, like, look now. See, this is a callback, but I think they missed out on one little part. I loved it, but I was like, oh, I don't know exactly because glutes means what? Hello, anybody? Oh, I thought boss had that. One. Uh, but that cheeks. was that face was supposed to indicate that I sometimes ride a bike. Muscle definition is not my forte. That's really funny. Uh, those would be the the old uh, butt cheek muscles there. Those are the butt cheek, right? Gluteus maximus. So, so when he says that, it's exactly a callback to when Isaac is saying body science, kinesthetics, or whatever mm-hmm. it's called, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, you can see, look at Roy's, his ass is all clenched. And then Jamie leans to see the ass. Now, this is just the same thing delts, traps, and glutes. Glutes is back to the ass. And now Van Damme looks, except it was like this thing where you cross the line, you know, you learn this in film school um, about crossing the line where you're shooting from a different angle. And I didn't know the establishment of the room enough and the players in the room. And it looked like the line was off to me the way, you know, when mm-hmm. it looked like he was looking at his feet mm-hmm. and not his ass, but again, uh, you know, nitpicking, but um, it, it was a nice little bookend to, you know, mention it, mention the ass. And then somebody looks, Zava says, there's no opponent. This team cannot conquer. Jamie goes, I, I literally just said that. <laughs> and then somebody, ta- I forgot to look. Who taps him on the head? Somebody like whacks him or something? Or I didn't see which character. I, it was. I, I actually was looking out for it when I watched it again. It's not super clear who it is. Because Sam's on the bike. Whoever it is is black. Sam's on the bike. We know where Zoro is. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure who that is. Anyway, somebody whacks, whacks him and shuts him up. So I Zoro, sh- yeah. should say there is a shot earlier where Zoro is on Jamie's far, on, let's say, left, and Zava is on his right. So I'm pretty sure it's Zoro. Van Damme, sorry, sorry, Van Damme. I'm pretty sure that Van Damme is the one that knocks him on the head. Uh, that makes sense, actually. Um, so he says, you will not win because of me. Now, 
I said, wait, you, there's no opponent that this team cannot conquer. And then he says, you will not win because of me. You will win because you work together. Because together, you can achieve anything. And I said, oh, my fucking God, is this Zava's farewell speech? I, oh, my God. I didn't get ahead of it at all. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> so you were ahead of me here. I, I, I couldn't be sure. I wasn't sure that this was the farewell speech or if this was the fire everybody up for one final game for me to play. I did think that it was coming to an end. It was um, uh, Castleton. You mentioned before that when he was on the field, looking around, thinking like, it, "It was Rebecca right about me? Am I not wanting to play this anymore?" For me, it was more when he was talking about his wife and how all he wants to do is look at his wife. He loves his wife more than anything. He just wants to hang out with her. I kind of thought at that point that he was like, "We're not winning games. I'm not doing great anymore. Why the fuck aren't I hanging out with my super hot wife, who I love?" She's hot in a girl next door kind of way, boss. You know, glasses, she paints. Like the girl and she's all that. I should I shouldn't I shouldn't quibble with that idea. <laughs> but this weird it's not even weird. It's like this whole idea of the sexy girl next door who doesn't have to work too hard. She just puts her hair up in a ponytail and she's so sexy but cute. And I'm like, all right, come on. It's it's a little played out for my taste. Like, we've got badass Rebecca right here. Why wasn't she like, oh, my wife is amazing. She's six and a half feet tall. She's a fucking Amazon. She rules my life. I love everything about her. Just mentioning. I, I So I was like a little shell shocked here. I paused and I was like, wait a sec. Like, you know, uh, you know, I thought, okay, wait, they're not going to have him leave because he decides to leave. Remember when this season started, we're like, okay. They get Zava, and you're like, hey, I, I said they have to get rid of him because he can't be the story this season. And we said, okay, just 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 from a blocking the whole season out point of view, like you can't have Zava be the hero. So how do they get rid of him? And I was sure, I was like, are they going to get rid of Shandy and they're going to get rid of Zava? I didn't see either one of them having too long of a shelf life. I didn't think they'd either go this fast. But my theory was, I was like, oh, I bet Shandy's going to get fired. She's going to get pissed off, and she's going to give Zava hummus. And that's going to take him out. And I thought that would be an elegant way to do it. That's what, that's what I thought. I had to that's get great. back at Keely or whatever. Right. And, but of course the hack that wrote this episode, Jamie Lee, um, <laughs> but, uh, obviously for those of you that can't pick up sarcasm, um, I'm kidding. Uh, she's tremendous. Um, but I just thought, Oh wow, this is like, so oh, anyway, I was just like I, the, you really threw me off. Because I just listened for the we see I'm a mm. I'm a acolyte of Coach Bishop and um, when I say me he says Wee! there you go and so I'm just I just noticed the you so much you can achieve I'm like what so anyway this is what Zava says you can achieve uh, anything and Danny Rojas stands up and puts his arms out and I'm like. This dude is Jack. Danny Rowe has some biceps in this in this shot, right? And 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 boss, what does Danny yell? Manchester City is going down. And they all cheer, and the music, the Ice Cube song comes back up, fast and loud. Um, and we we hear, uh, "Don't stop, get it, get it." And Danny gets to jump onto Zava one more time, like a koala 
on a eucalyptus tree. Um, and that's the that's the moment in there for for Zaba. I wanna I wanna highlight, you know, with Danny screaming like that. And I do it was it's funny, but I think it will be significant going forward that Jamie says, I literally just said that. And that Sam actually starts that actual ball rolling. Like it really does start with our core guy. Zava gloms onto it and everybody jumps up because of Zava. But the power of belief, I think, is going to be a big part of how all of this plays out in the end. And I mean, it makes sense, right, with the belief sign and everything else. But I think that look a minute ago, they were all nodding their heads in agreement that they're playing like shit and all is lost. Zava gets up, says a kind of inspiring speech, also kind of nonsensical, like whatever. And because Zava said it now, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're going to conquer the world. Like I just think belief is a real, it's a real thing. Like how, how do you measure it? You know, good luck, but it is a real thing. Manchester City's going down. Um, and, and yeah, it's just so they, yeah, they believe him. Um, and, th- and if this is like a, uh, you know, they call it like, oh, that's a wrap on this character and Maximilian Ozinski. If this is like the last real scene that we catch him in, um, just bravo. Just, he just, what a great job. It's funny you say it the way you did because when you rap somebody, if, you know, things are shot out of sequence and we have no way of knowing. But were this the last moment, the entire set would just like erupt. This was a, a, <laughs> a brilliant performance, super specific, hilarious, like came in, boom, like landed, could have totally thrown things off, didn't. So, yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. Okay. So um, now we get an establishing shot of the outside of Ted's flat. Ted enters his flat and the Ice Cube song fades out after Do It, Do It, Do It. And we get a little chime on his cell phone. I always go, okay, now we hear this little chime on. It's very peaceful, the little the little uh, ringtone that he's got. And I'm like, you know, we've now heard Ted and Trent have ringtones that are, like, very boring. And I'm like, God, they could have given us a little glimpse into their personality. But, like, if he had a certain sound that played when Michelle called, <laughs> you know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, that's that's, that's an interesting. You know what I mean? Because you can, you can do that on these newfangled uh, telephones that you carry around in your pocket. Yeah, um, so, you, right? you you can, although sometimes I forget it. My phone is almost always on silent and also on non-vibrate because I have it close enough that if I see something, I'll look or I'm looking at my phone all the time anyway. Um, right. Some of the time when I have it not on silent, I forget that the boyfriend's ringtone, which is also his text tone, is the Imperial March from Star Wars. That is so funny. I was going to make a joke and say that's what yours is for me. I was going to pick that. <laughs> I was I was going to make a joke and say you have Darth Vader's music. Well, actually, so I uh, probably shouldn't be announcing this, but I share one of the many uh, online streaming accounts with my older sister and her family. And my nieces did pick out for me a Darth Vader avatar for when I log into their accounts. So he is present in our lives in a lot of ways. Um I sort of wonder if this is is specifically a ringtone for Michelle to chill Ted out when she's calling. Oh, Not because they have a bad relationship, 
But because there's a lot of stuff going on and maybe he needs to be like taking himself down a level before they start talking. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's certainly possible. Ted says, hey, there you are. And I was like, oh, God, it's such a God, God. Oh, how the mighty have fallen to go from whatever, however he used to greet her. That's like when you go like, hey, you. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like whatever we know, he was probably just had all sorts of uh, kooky uh, pet names for her and. Now he's, hey, there you are. It's And Michelle says, hey, Ted, I'm sorry we keep missing each other. That's okay. I get it. You know, how's the little guy doing? He's okay. He's actually at the park right now. Now, Ted is on the phone on a FaceTime with her. He wa- He's walking over. He grabs a glass from the cabinet. I don't know if you guys noticed there was an open jar of peanut butter on the counter. Did you see yeah. that? Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, absolutely. Both, both of these uh, coach and boss are both nodding. Yep. Yes. Oh, we saw that. That's fucking smart. What did, what did Roy say about that? Yeah, it's fucking Good smart. Idea, actually. Yeah. I, th- I think fucking smart. Uh, so he uh, gets a glass, puts it on the on the uh, counter while I uh, started on the table while he's talking to her. And on the table, there's a pitcher of water, and he picks it up, and he uh, Michelle says it's okay. He's at, he's actually at the park right now, and Ted says, "Oh, he is. Oh, that's great." And he's just about to pour the water. And what happens here? Uh, Coach, walk us through this exact beat here. Uh, so Michelle says, yeah, Jake thought it'd be a good idea to get outside and get some fresh air. And I felt like I was punching the gut, so I can only imagine what Ted felt. It's like, <laughs> damn, Michelle, damn. And then uh, so he goes, yeah, uh, no, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's smart, yeah. And Ted puts the water down. And grabs a bottle of booze. And I just, I did not begrudge him that drink at all. I was like, you know what? Do what you gotta do, Ted. Do what you gotta do. It was, that was a rough, that was, but he handled it like a champ. He didn't, you know, he handled it like a champ. He's already said his piece and he's done with that and he handled it. But yeah, I did not begrudge him his drink. Same. And, Again, I believe I've now become the podcast Michelle Defender, but to her credit, there was a weird amount of her not being willing to admit that Jake was involved in her life and that part of the secret that she was keeping from Ted was part of the issue. So now acknowledging, yes, Jake has been involved in this also, I actually thought was better of her, although I am getting the feeling that Castleton is not going to agree whatsoever. I mean, oh my gosh. Wait, I just want to, you're giving her credit that when she got busted, that she, she, and, and she has not discussed this, nor the role that this man plays in their son's life, or that she was dating their counselor, or that there, that it's a little fishy that this is, he was her personal counselor or the parameters of how much their child is being influenced by this third party. But you're giving her credit that um, she's – listen, here's the thing. I, I said, oh, we're doing this now? Like you're, we're just going to normalize Jake? Oh, okay. Like I was like, huh. That's, that's, so that's I it. I hear the concern like, in your voice and uh, the <laughs> consternation. <laughs> So here's what we're going to do. <laughs> I mean, so there are a few things that are happening with this. Number one, 
Ted is as responsible for his communication with Michelle as Michelle is responsible for her communication with Ted. So it, it, within the two characters, that couple itself, if they need to have a talk, either one of them should say, hey, we need to have a talk. So if Ted needs to talk more about Michelle's relationship with Jake or Jake's relationship with Henry or any of those things, Ted needs to talk to her about it. And if Michelle feels the need to justify anything, which I would, but I don't, I'm not in her shoes, so I don't know about that, then Michelle needs to have a talk with Ted. Like, both people can bring up those items at any point. They're supposed to have open communication. Number two, the show of Ted Lasso, if it wants to show us them communicating, needs to show us that scene. Oh, yeah. I assumed the conversation. I didn't ex- I didn't think, oh, they had a follow-up conversation to him saying he was ticked off. I assumed that conversation happened and then things just sort of continued as if nothing, as if that, I shouldn't say as if that conversation didn't happen because now she's acknowledging Jake. But I, I, I don't have any idea, a sense that they had a follow-up conversation that allowed her to say, I understand why you'd be upset that it's Jake or any of that stuff. I just think like he said his piece and then they went back to, you know, how much does Jake need for school or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm not imagining that they have had that conversation yet. I am only saying that, number one, I do think that there's this weird thing where it's one step forward and then a couple steps back into normality and then one more Mm -hmm. step forward in order to get, like, I think we have an idea that relationships are, we're going to do this thing and now everything is different. And Mm -hmm. actually you introduce an idea and then you go back to doing things the way that you have been and then you try that idea again later. So I feel like this sort of the normalizing of talking about Jake, I think, is actually a big deal because Ted doesn't talk about anything ever. Mm. So if she is able to say, hey, this guy that I know is an issue for you, but is in my life. And so I'm going to need to talk about him. She's saying that if he needs to talk about it, he needs to bring that up with her. So I'm going to jump in here and I'm I'm actually seriously going to jump in here. So so coach. Coach, um, and I'm not outing. I mean, you've you've shared that you've been through a divorce, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of just plant that um, particular piece of information here for a moment, and say, is it possible, Coach, that you, on some level, your reaction is more like one of Ted's boys than actually Ted? Like, is your reaction the? Um, Michelle has harmed you, hurt you, done something unforgivable, similar to Beard saying we can have the house burned down by 1230, as opposed to like Ted being like, well, I got to figure this shit out. Because I think that's where my reaction came from. Like, well, damn, Michelle, we heard you. You don't got to mention a motherfucker every time you talk. But she didn't. Like, <laughs> like that was just my reaction because I didn't want to hear that shit, you know. Um, so I'm wondering where your t- what your take is there. Uh, <laughs> of course, yes. Uh, yeah, maybe that's it, Coach. Uh, could, could be, could be that. I mean, um, it, well, the, remember that, when I said that I don't have? I've never learned the skill set of distinguishing between, like, re, not li- reliving the trauma. Oh yes, like, yes, in yes, a yes. Full body uh, way. So yeah, listen. It, it, uh, here's the thing. There's this. Okay. The best way I can explain it, the way uh, just 
just and I'm not going to explain divorce or anything like that. Um, you know, sometimes when you have a friend and then they go to law school and then they it, it affects how they see the world. They go, OK, you know what I mean? There's like they always have a lawyer's eye for for something. They go, well, you might, well, might want to protect yourself or, you know, they just have a, they, they have they know the inner workings of uh, how things actually work, as opposed to if, if they hadn't gone to law school. That's all I'm saying. Um, what, what my experience in, in family court is you have like Mark Twain esque common sense. And then there's family court <laughs> and you go in there and everything goes out the window. Um, and the rules that you think are part of society are not. And, it, you know, that was just my experience. I'm sure people have had some great experiences. Um, and the, the, the thing that, that uh, there, there aren't that many. And again, I don't know. My, my divorce was in Los Angeles. So maybe it's unique to that, that courthouse, but um if one of the parents in question in my divorce, and I saw this, you know, you'd have to sit through waiting for your, your, uh, uh, turn to go in front of the judge. You sit there and you wait, it's, it's hell. Um, and you see like, if one of these parents had made a unilateral, de- unilateral decisions are a big thing, big no, no. Um, and co-parenting because the judges will say like, Hey, you're supposed to be co-parenting. And they look for examples of one parent making a unilater- unilateral decision because that's not typically good for the child. And if you say one of the parents would bring up this would they they this is called an order to show cause, and you you would bring in this document and you would say this person made a unilateral decision to bring a third party into our our life. They constantly reference this. They constantly say, "Oh, he's out making decisions." I never agreed to that, and and judges tend to frown on that. Um. So when I hear things like this, I I get a little triggered <laughs> because yeah. I go. Because because she hasn't had the decency to say, hey, listen, like, let's break this down. And and I hear what you're saying, boss. But I also hear I think you're putting the onus on Ted like, hey, if he wants to have specific questions about this, then that's up to him to ask those specific questions. And from my point of view, I could just be being the boy like beard. I could be beard. But I also go, wait a second. Like, the re- it really is on her to explain. OK, here's the establishment. Here's what I've decided. Here's what I'm thinking. And then they co-parent. Because they're going to share grandkids. And so all of the things you're saying may be true. Um, but I definitely, this is one of those things where I get a, I get, you know, my, my skin is hot. Just, yeah. listen, just listening. Because I can't, I've never figured out how to experience this without reliving the trauma. And like all of that, 100% correct, valid, uh, all of that, I absolutely understand. I think also... I should mention from my own perspective, I have dealt with a number of men who don't want to talk about it, don't want to acknowledge it, don't want to process through it with me, but then also are going to make whatever it is a fucking problem in my life that I need to figure out how to deal with because he won't open his mouth. So, and obviously you could tell... But yeah, I was hoping to make this your problem. I don't know. I don't know if that's. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying it, to dump this on you. As, as much as I am swearing about it right now, you could probably tell that this is a thing for me also. Um, I like. I, I'm, <laughs> go I'm, figure. I'm. I'm kind of liking this. Like you know, this. This has really moved the route of therapy. Like I kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so, okay. Safe space. Let's do it. Yeah. It, no. I like honestly. I so. Definitely, I understand where you're coming from. I understand to a point where Michelle is coming from. And also what I think is Michelle has fucked up. She has 
completed and done the fuck up. And the fuck up has been discovered and Ted knows about the fuck up. And now the fuck up is out in the world for them to deal with. So I'm not going to continue dinging her every time they interact because she fucked up that one time. Like that is so healthy. Okay. Okay. Listen, hold on a sec. Often operate. I gotta be honest. It's like every time I see the person who wronged me and they don't own the wronging is a new wrong. And, and that's not also, healthy. Yeah. That's not a good way to live. I feel like I could, I feel like I could, I, listen, I'm not, I don't know how to do that. I wish I was quicker on the trigger, but I feel like I could look at your Twitter account boss and I could see you say, okay, this fucker was never sorry. This fucker just got caught. Yeah. And then the, the half-ass apology they offer I, I know I've seen you write about this or tweet about this where it's like, it's not even an apology. It's like, I'm sorry you felt offended that I dated somebody you didn't approve or whatever. And you'd be like, it still has not been apologized for. There still has been, they have not taken any accountability. And I, and I, and I feel like that's the situation that's going on here. There's still, there's still, where, where's the, who has taken accountability? Like I, I just go, okay, all right. Well, that's, it, it's certainly one perspective where we look at it and we say, you know, this is this is a television show, and we hope that you know these people find closure. But I go, yeah, I I, I haven't heard. She just got caught. That's it. And like we think yeah. about all the politicians they got caught, and they offer these lame PR based equivocations. You know, and you're just like, oh come on, like you're only even saying this because you got caught. That's it. This would have never come out. So I give them zero credit. Uh, in, when I hear that, like political things or whatever, I go, no, you get no credit for that. And then you double down and you don't apologize so you get extra less you know even less credit and i guess i'm still floating in that sort of nebulous area where i'm waiting to see something uh about michelle's character where she acknowledges the the harm she's done uh by making these choices yeah i'm not saying that i've forgiven her for it all i'm saying is that until would it be more of a fuck up for her to not mention Jake at this point? For her to go back to pretending that Jake doesn't exist and that Jake isn't in their lives? Would, would yeah. that be a better choice? For, like, yeah, what I want to see is them having a conversation where they talk this shit out. But the show needs to show us that. Like, we need to get that first. We haven't gotten that. So right now, Michelle is not forgiven for what she's done. I don't think that she's done enough to make amends. I am not going to ding her for mentioning Jake moving forward because it's acknowledged and not acknowledging him would be even weirder. It's a conversation they still need to have, but I'm not going to be pissed off at it right now for admitting that he exists. I hear what you're saying, because if I'm Ted, I will say of all the scenarios we've laid out. If we had a whole conversation and later on, I found out that Henry was at the park with Jake, I would be pissed on a new level so i think i think i think boss i don't i agree with all the stuff in terms of that this conversation needs to happen but i will i do think boss makes a good point there that michelle she is a little bit like she better say something (laughs) like if i better i i really would not want to find that out in some roundabout way later and we were on the phone yeah that you call your house and some strange man answers your phone. Mm -hmm. Like she can't have that happen again. Right. They, they still need to have this conversation. She still hasn't been forgiven. I still don't think that she's done it correctly. I just think that there needs to be 
I can't blame this character because the show hasn't written the scene where they have this talk yet. If one of you starts to give me a speech about how you both love me and I'm going to be really upset now. (laughs) It's not not your fault, Coach. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Not your fault. Um, So Ted says, uh, well, how about about you? Uh, What about you? How are you doing? She says, oh, I've definitely been better. And he says, yeah, I hear you. I've been pulling my hair out all day over this. You know, Ashley told Beard and Roy about what happened. Those fellas are ready to hop on a flight to Kansas and go full Wicked Witch of the West on the kid that bullied him. And Ted, like, walks into frame. And what does Michelle say, boss? No, Ted, uh, Henry wasn't bullied. He was the bully. Yeah. And Ted says, what? I love that we've gotten to know this character to the point where him being delivered the news that his kid was the bully is arguably a bigger shot than... Uh, the newspapers know about your anxiety attack. Like, it's like, this is an unraveling of, like, the one thing he believes himself to have knocked out of the park to his experience of it. I'm not saying that's actually an unraveling. I mean, you know, whatever. It, it is, he'll deal with it. But I thought it was really fascinating. Like, he he stopped and he treated it like it was an atomic bomb and it felt like one to me. Yes. For him, yeah. And I feel like I was really. Oh, I, I was only going to say I feel like it, it can only make things worse in terms of him feeling like he is not present in his son's life. If if Ted Lasso, if uh, Ned Flanders cosplay can't make sure that he raises a nice son, what is he doing? Yeah. Yep. There's a lot there. Um, and I, you know, it's funny because I really hoped we could uh, end on a happy note. I should, I should have, uh, ended, uh, this episode on we're going to Richmond, uh, I don't know, Manchester City is going down. Um, but I'm glad we got to, uh, look into that a little bit. I think that is right. That boy, that is a, that's a punch in the gut for Ted Lasso that his own child could ever go that direction. And then you listen, as a parent, I think you would probably start questioning all of your choices that led to this eventuality being even a possibility. Um, seems like a real sweet kid. So you have to, uh, have to wonder how that happened. We have no more details at this point, but also I think then I'll, a quick story, uh, but I, I think it'll be, I think it can be interesting to what sometimes how things play out and when somebody get, you know, gets in trouble. Right. And so also what's here is like Ted has gone from my kid seen through truly rose colored glasses to, oh, my God, my kid's like on his way to becoming son of Sam. And in the context of a school, bullying can mean a lot of things, some of which, frankly, I would tell the kid, don't do that again anymore. Knock it off. And some would be like a real serious, you know, like issue that we'd have to address. So the the quick story I'll tell is in high school, there's a whole clique of us, boys and girls and blah, 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 who used to hang out. And one of the, um, I'll just use her first name. She wouldn't even care anyway. But uh, our friend Dana, she just was like, had a real smart mouth. So my buddy Kenny and I are walking through the halls and we're like, you know, um, you know, athletes, blah, blah, blah. We're seniors now. And Dana's just chirp, 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 chirp. And we're like, shut up, right? Like she did, but she would leave us alone. And I forget what she finally said or did, but we were like sick of it. And Kenny picks her, like picks her up like this 
And he goes, grab the garbage can. And I put the garbage can out enough from the corner. And he sits her in the garbage can so that she can't get out. And we just leave. Or we go to the student lounge, right? So we're like, ah, ha, ha. But she's discovered by our health teacher who's like, in the sitcom, you know the teacher who's like always a sensitive one and always... That teacher is the teacher who found it. So she comes into the student lounge. Dana comes in with this teacher. And she's like, yeah, it was those two. They were bullying me. And like this whole production and Kenny and I, we know we're dead. Like we can't say it didn't happen. We can't. But we're like, there's no way that Dana is this person who's standing here pretending to be next to weeping after she was busting our child. So anyway, we got we, we got in some trouble, but all laughed later. And it was a it was a fine performance. Uh, by Dana. I really had to give her credit. I mean, she really got us. But my point being, I could have gotten a call home that day. And yes, by any textbook, whatever, it would have been bullying. But Dana, you know, Dana was laughing harder than anybody else as soon as the teacher left. Yes. And just to back you up a little bit, I should say that in my senior year of high school, the two guys I ate lunch with, would routinely play a game where they attempted to push me off the edge of the bench. <laughs> just for, just because. Just because I would say something bitchy to one of them. And the game was, who's closer? So, and like off the side, right. so that at most I would like do a weird stumble and then stand up. Right, right, I wasn't right. going to injure myself. Right, right, right. Because I was 18. Now I would, sure. But yeah, they would just like quick move and then shove as hard as they could. So th- these things happen in high school. Coach, where do people find you if they want to find you? Uh, we Align is our online community for Align Performance. That's wealign.alignp.com. You can also uh, catch up with me on Instagram. That's at bk2la. And on uh, Facebook by my name, Orlando Bishop. And we have Align Performance on Facebook, too. So let's connect. Thank you, Coach. Uh, boss, where do people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Refusing to forgive all of those people I'm still angry at, at Dumbly Chambers, and also writing at the Antagonist blog. It's antagonistblog.com. And uh, we thank everybody for listening, and we want you to support your local libraries. The NHL playoffs start tomorrow, so go Bruins. Very excited for this. You're going to see me uh, win or lose I absolutely love the, I have no, you guys don't know this, but we put so many hours into, I mean, you can imagine how long this podcast takes, but the, the, the the NHL playoffs are like this podcast in that when it starts out, you're watching all these seven game series. If you, if you're a fan, like I am, I'd really love to watch all the other teams because you can kind of get a feeling who's, who's edging towards your team. If you know, that kind of thing. And it's really just the best hockey no comparison between playoff hockey and regular season hockey. It's a whole different thing. It's so exciting. So any hockey fans out there know that I'm with you. Um, and we're going to, we're going to have a great, great playoffs this year. Um, we will be back. Listen, I want to apologize because we do try to get <laughs> every time we sit down, I go, guys, we're going to go real fast this time. We got We're going to go right. We're going to, we got to mm. pick up the pace. Uh, and, you know, we wanted to get through and we have a show doc here. It's 66 pages long for this particular episode that's 50 minutes 51, yeah. i think was 51 mm-hmm. um 
And I said, we're going to try to get to page 52 <laughs> before we close up tonight. And uh, we, we made it to page 36. So <sighs> we're going to record again tomorrow. And we're going to come back bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And we're going to try to give everybody uh, uh, a couple more laughs and some more things to think about. Uh, we again thank everyone uh, inside this country and outside of it for all the wonderful support, all the emails. Um, we, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with part four. Jeez. Uh, or, or not, I should say tomorrow. We're going to record it tomorrow and we'll post it as, fa- as quickly as humanly possible. Um, and But until we do that, we are... Rich until we die. Rich... <laughs> Guys, a little bit of pee came out. Oh, there we go. The, oh my god! <laughs> did you hear the do- did you hear the dog? Bark? Yes, yes. All this up in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. <laughs> oh god. Uh. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.